Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Hi, this is Bob, 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 v, 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 Vila. And now, it's time for the show, This Old Dungeon. The show where grognards go to get their grog on. Between the two of us, we're going to get a lot of stuff done. We're going to kick some ass. We're going to be awesome. Featuring your hosts. Hi, this is Bill Barsh. I am the managing director of Paysetter Games and Simulations. Look at this. It's a plumber's nightmare. Hi, this is Edwin. I'm a longtime cast member of Skype of Cthulhu, and I am the 5E editor for Frog God Games. Somebody here call a carpenter? This is Lou Al Lou. I could charitably call myself a game designer and game publisher, but definitely a veteran role player of 35 plus years. We work on it the rest of the night, we get it together. We can do this, right? There's no way in hell we can do it. Good evening, Dungeoneers! Welcome to another episode of This Old Dungeon. I'm one of your hosts, Lou Alu. Hey, this is Edwin. How y'all doing? Hey everyone, it's Bill. And we've got the Neon Lord himself, Brian Shutter. Brian Shutter, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for being here. All right, well, let's just get to the to the bottom of things here. Uh, what have we been doing in gaming lately, guys? All right. Well, I will uh <laughs> I will dig in a little bit. Um, I had I was at uh, Total Con a couple weeks ago. This was my first face to face con in a few years, I think. And that was excellent. I spent most of the time sitting at the Frog God booth, um, just saying hi to people that I hadn't seen in a couple of years. But I did get one uh, one off books game of Morkborg or Morkborg or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. We just chef uh, style, man. Exactly. Uh, which uh, was fun. It was, uh, as I say, it was an off book. We were sitting around the bar um, and it was, I feel like, we reigned from like six to maybe 12 players uh, over the course oh. of however many hours it was. Um, and then uh, I run a couple of one-shot Call of Cthulhu games. There was uh, Matt Sanders, uh, Polvis et Umbris Sumus. I do not have good Latin. Uh, and uh, Scott Dorward's uh, Unla- Unland, which is an uh, uh, amusement park fun land, but the F fell off. And they're both just <laughs> creepy is all well unland is definitely creepy uh but i was running them with two players and uh it was really nice to just sort of get intimate in these sort of psychological horror games where it's just the three of us uh and that, that was a fun fun experience couple couple fun games there awesome so uh a lot of people are on one side or the other of the fence on the mork burke or Burk Merk or whatever, Merkberg. Um, you know, you, you get people that say, oh, man, you know, the, the game is, is just style and no substance. You get people that say, oh, no, it's got the best of both worlds. What, what was your experience with that? So uh, I think, so my experience is I haven't read the rule book. So let me, let me just caveat it with that. My experience <laughs> is only what the, what the GM put in front of us. Um, the uh, overall, it was a good time and it was sort of, you know, 
uh, a fun, uh, fun old school experience. Um, there was one piece I was frustrated by, I guess, and I think I think this is, I think this is in the rules or is, isn't in the rules. But I uh, I had a character that gave up a couple rounds of combat to to make friends with the enemy. You know, they were not paying attention, and I had some disguise on, and and they thought I was with them, and that all worked fine. And somehow I really wanted a bonus when I finally went to, to stab them in the back. And I think probably they could have just, the GM probably could have just lowered the uh, DC. I, mm, I suspect that probably is in the book. That probably is the rule. Um, but that sort of stands out. The big picture, there were uh, um, one, one thing that was almost super awesome <laughs> so the, the idea of this game is that you're um the world's going to end everybody knows it's going to end but nobody knows when it's going to go to end and so you uh you know everyone's going out adventuring to to get money so they can go back and drink until the world's over and if you mistime <laughs> it and you sober up and you don't have any money you have to go do some more adventuring to get some more booze so you can go drink some more and uh the uh <laughs> Well, one of the issues we were talking about was like, well, why are all the bars just hanging around being open? But that's that's fine. Um, but early in the game, right when you start each session, I think uh, you roll on this table to see if there are signs of the apocalypse, if it's getting closer, if you sort of know that it's there. And we got really excited, I think, because we'd all played Traveler at some point, And we thought, boy, wouldn't it be great if, you know, if they happen to roll 100 twice in a roll, row or something, the game, the campaign's just over right now. Apocalypse um, <laughs> now. Exactly. Uh, that apparently is not true. You actually have to play at least one session before the uh, before the world can end. Uh, but on the flip side, I did fumble a spell, and uh, so I managed to. I rolled a one on my spell casting, and then I rolled. I think it was a d twenty. So I think I rolled a twenty on the fumble table, and that meant that the uh, the two headed god of something or other came out of the wall ate me and then disappeared and that was a pretty excellent way to uh to die in the middle of you know we were in some sort of culty place anyway so that was pretty fun um so to answer your question lou i don't know uh, <laughs> to not answer your question um is at best yes yeah i mean uh, it, it definitely felt i mean it's definitely a, a light system there's no doubt about that and it's definitely a, a genre emulator or a genre creator. I don't know what genre it would be emulating, but it's, 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 it's trying to sort of cater a specific experience. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so it's absolutely not your sort of classic toolbox game where you can, you know, do anything. It's the opposite of uh, GURPS or whatever. You know, it's, it's, this is an experience that we're trying, I think, I mean, that's how I interpreted it. That's how it felt. This is an experience that we want you to enjoy having. And if you want to do something else, get somebody else's game and do it. But <laughs> this game is designed for this, this really sort of feel. in that setting and that feel, the, exactly. the death metal kind of thing. I just said, yeah, I think it did a good job of, of, of getting us into this sort of nobody cares. And, you know, but it's so hard as a player to be like, Oh, well, I don't care about this. And then the GM puts some hooks out and you're like, well, I got a hundred silver pieces. That that's enough to get me drunk for a month. Why am I, you know, why am I even <laughs> looking at these hooks? So yeah, that was some, 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 uh, I think the GM hadn't, you know, hadn't run it much. And so we were, we were, we were figuring it out. And Brian, you'd played some too, right? Yeah. I played it once and uh, got stabbed by a goblin in the back. 
in a cave <laughs> two hours into like people trying to role play. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it happens. So I did pull out the book and uh yeah, it's the two-headed basilisk devours you on a 20. Awesome. The, <laughs> I love it. For, for future reference. Yeah. And then, <laughs> well, that, that definitely what happened. <laughs> and then like and then yeah, like tests, like difficulty ratings on tests and stuff. So it's like they set the difficulty rating. They should have made it easier for Lord you to settle. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Just drop it down. Cause I think there's a default rating of 14 or 12 yeah, or something. something and like then that. you can crank it up for some reasons. Obviously you can uh, reel it back in if you feel like it. I, I think that would have been the answer as a, but we were, we were pretty tired. It was, it yeah. was, uh, it's pretty it's late. Just, I was interested in the answer as well. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. Cause it's like, what happens in like in, in all these like games that are like rules light of like complex situations that rules light games don't handle. Right. You can, you're going to roll the D six and you can either have it. Well, it's one on one out of six or two and six. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what what so, have you been up to Lou? You've been doing some gaming. Yeah. We got to hear what Lou's been up to. <laughs> Yeah, I, hey, I'm uh, still hanging in there on Sunday nights with my gaming group who's uh, decided to mutiny and, and go into 5th edition and play Curse of Strahd. Uh, <laughs> so I love Ravenloft, though. So, you know, I'm along for the trip, but I'm the fuddy-duddy that they got to, like, always remind me that, oh, you know, hey, thief skills don't work like that anymore. It's, you know, and, uh, you know, oh, you, I, why don't you take a take a short rest, Lou? And, and at first I'm like, well, you, you think I'm mad or something? Like, I'm, I think they're telling me, you know, to take a short rest or whatever. No, no, no it's good for your character. It's good for your character. Okay, all right. But we're having a lot of fun, man. Uh, and then uh, I'm getting geared up for the uh, the next Kickstarter for my MCC projects. This a friend of mine, uh, Jeffrey Jones, who I believe uh, his podcast is called uh, RPG Ramblings. It's a really good podcast, by the way, if you, if you want to kind of look at the you know, how the sausage is made in the RPG world. He does, has a lot of good interviews. And uh, he was, he was telling me, you know, cause I was talking to him about how, like uh, w- one of the things I know I need to improve on in my uh, writing is I, I'm, I'm too wordy. I got to cut back, you know, not, not be so uh, full of prose. And uh, he said, well, you know, you, you need to check out the OSC uh, modules, you know, get um, what is it called? The incandescent grotto and, and, and look at that. They've, you know, it's, it's really like, you can almost play it right out of the package. You don't even have to have read it before. And so I went ahead and bought one and I mean, he's right. It's, it's a whole nother venue of adventure writing. Uh, it's like, you've got the maps and you've got the numbered areas. And when you look at them in the book, it'll tell you like the title of that encounter space. And then it'll give you like, you know, any, any stats that you need for the creatures there. Everything else is just kind of like set pieces, like, oh, there's a waterfall. It is, and then it has a bullet point and it just has like descriptors, little adjectives, you know, slippery, tall, um, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, dangerous or whatever. That's a bad example because they're, they're very specific in choosing adjectives that are useful to the game master in, in knowing how to adjudicate things. Um, but it's just a, a whole nother venue. I mean, everything's just basically really cut to the bone quick description, bullet points of what you need to know, um, little hints of sounds coming from other areas nearby and stuff like that. So now I'm kind of like scratching my head going, man, this is, this is just a whole nother animal from how I normally write. And, uh, and it's interesting to me, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, I feel like maybe I should pursue that at some point. It is kind of probably the, the future of gaming, uh, but it just, it's, it's so different. It's not like you can really marry the two very well from the, the standard adventure write-ups uh, to this kind of new bulleted format. 
So that's what I've been up to. <laughs> you want to go first up winner or should I? Oh, you uh, should. Edwards went, uh, but Brian needs to go too, unless you you need to go no, first. I'm, I'm oh, on me. I'm talking about okay. what you're going to do. Oh, okay. Lay in. Talk to me. I, I'm just going to tell you, you should write the way you want to write. Don't. Um, I, I understand. You know, everyone has different formats that they're comfortable in, and everyone has different presentations that they're comfortable in. And what you need to do is do what Lou does best and not worry about how somebody else is doing their product because people are buying their product because they want Lou. They're not, they don't, they're not going to buy your product because they want a, uh, an OSE, you know, clone and, or, or something else, you know, the opposite end of that spectrum, something that's, that's crazy wordy, you know, it's, you know, 6,000 pages that, you know, that kind of thing. So I, I have your products. I'm going to tell you right now, you're, you're on the right track, stick with what you're doing. And if you ever feel you're too wordy, that kind of thing, the, the best way to tackle it is go back and read your own work. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm the, I'm a, I'm terrible. I don't do it enough. I do it years later sometimes. Uh, and, and you will learn off of yourself more than you're going to learn off of other people. So um, I see what you're saying And that. And I, you know, if the, if the way of the world of the uh, RPG world is that kind of product, I can tell you right now, I'm in trouble because that's not what we do. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, and I, I'll, uh, I'll go one step further and say there's no way that's the way of the world. I mean, it's I can't you know, imagine it either. I, our, yeah. I know our customer base. Yeah, that's that's the exact. If we did that, we would not have a customer base. Yeah, because there's, I mean, there's a lot of people that enjoy. Well, and even even the same person. I mean, the the Call of Cthulhu games I ran, they were written as real short. Uh, pieces that you can improvise around and that's a lot of fun when that's what you want to do you know if I'm looking mm -hmm. to do a, a one shot where I'm uh, responding to the characters so I need to be able to improvise a lot but if I'm running something longer and it's published I want some detail I want you know I want to get this and also I want to enjoy reading it you know I want some sentences <laughs> in there you know so so I can see that some some audience are absolutely going to love having I think we talked about this last time uh, oh no what was it Nope. I was talking to uh, the gaming and BS folks and I was like, you know, if you can sell uh, an index card with three words on it and call it a dungeon, you know, more power <laughs> to you. But I feel like most of us in order to sell our, our adventures need to write some, a little more around it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, see, there's an audience for everything, right? So right. there's, I, I just, I just kind of, I've been around this a long, long time and I know people like to read, right? I mean, as gamers, most of us are readers. So we like getting something that's a little beefy and, and, you know, take what you want out of it or use the whole thing, whatever. You can always cut stuff out of something. Right. And, and our, our kind of our job as game designers and module writers and adventure writers and supplement designers is to make the GM's life easier. And I, I know our philosophy in that is I'd rather give him a little bit more stuff that he doesn't use it than not give him enough and he puts my product down and says, it just didn't feel like I just I'm not getting out of this what I was really looking for, you know, because it's, sure. too, it's, it's, it's there's not enough material in the product itself. But then again, that's my perspective that 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 not going to work for everyone, obviously. And there, I'm sure there's a market for for the other other side of that coin. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So but the, oddly enough, though, right, the the. OSA OSE rule books. Rule set, yeah, the rule set's really what's uh, what's are the other it, yeah. side of that coin, right? So, right, that ne necrotic Nova puts that out. I mean, yeah, 
they put it, it's a fantastic product and that Kickstarter yeah. is going to do, it uh, is, yeah. it's going to clear 700 grand. I'm sure. Um, yeah. you know, they went, they went, you talk about from, uh, I'm not going to say zero to hero cause they were never zero. I mean, it was a great product to begin with back when it was BX essentials, but they've just, you know, gone to the moon, but they didn't do that from cutting stuff out in their product. Right. I mean, they didn't. So, um, that's just my two cents on, on that aspect. And again, going back to, to what Lou was talking about, Lou, you be you. <laughs> Thank you. Wise words. <laughs> uh, Brian, real quick, because uh, uh, we're going to be talking about your product here in a minute. And uh, I feel like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, y- you've got kind of, y- you've kind of got almost a good balance in there where, I mean, your product reads really quick. It, it's, it's you know, got a, a lot of flavor to it, but yet y- you don't waste time going in directions that aren't worthwhile to the reader. Uh, have you been influenced by any of the newer RPG materials, or is that just kind of how uh, you write? I saw, like, I was, yeah, like the Mark Board book has like an intro adventure in it. And I was like, well, Mark Board made a crap ton of money. So let me, <laughs> let me just kind of look at this book and kind of figure it out from there. And then, like, in that adventure, there, they do like a, um, like a little, the bullet points with like on like the north, south, east, and west, like there's like walls and stuff, like, and points of interest. And I, I kind of liked that like basic layout. So I used that, but then I like to add a little bit more fluff to the rooms and kind of explain like with a little bit more detail of like what's going on in there rather than just like, Oh, there's a couple computers and some mutants, <laughs> like just add a little bit more flavor to it. Yeah. That's awesome. A- have you been up to much in gaming lately? No, unfortunately oh. I haven't been able to play. I know like, that's what sucks too. Is like if when I get to play, it's only Neon Lords. Like there's a bunch <laughs> of games I'll, I actually want to play, but I never get a chance to. But then yeah, I've just been kind of working on more stuff towards the game lately. Yeah, I think all of us kind of get that idea that the millstone of being a, a publisher, small publisher. You know, it's you love doing it, but then it becomes you know it becomes the thing you do instead of gaming. Hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. So I I get to go last year, right? Oh, sure. So I, 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 there we go. So for once, I, I'm not going to be the quickest guy uh, off of this subject. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, uh, okay. But I didn't actually game, but it is very, very good. <laughs> so, I, and uh, at, at the risk of boring everyone to death, this is going to be a little longer, but I'll try and, and make it as short as I can. A lot of people who know me know that uh, my, me and my family work on a big Disney fans. We, we go down there quite a bit. I've got uh, two of my kids live down in that general area work down there. I got a third one who works for Disney. So um, we go down quite a bit. So we went down about uh, two weeks ago now and I run the Disney marathons. So they run about four marathons a year. I do the half and 10 Ks. Um, I don't do a full. I'm, that's not, that's never going to happen, but oh, anyway. Well, only 10 uh, so, K. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you call yourself a man. <laughs> uh, well, I ran the, so apparently according to Jim Kitchen, I'm not because I ran the princess marathon. That's what the last one <laughs> two weeks ago. So it's, 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 it's me, maybe three or 400 other guys and 25,000 women. And that's about how many people are. <laughs> that's a good odds. It, it's huge. So, uh, and of course my wife smoked me by the way. So just, I'm not going to go there, but in the 10 K she annihilated me. Oh, but, uh, so anyway, we were down there for that and some other things and, uh, visiting, uh, my oldest daughter who's down there too, right. Lives right there. But, uh, a place we like to go to, or I, I've been going to, Disney has, if you're not familiar with Walt Disney World, they have a lot of resorts down there. And when I say resorts within Walt Disney World, these things are massive. I mean, they are, 
each one of these resorts has anywhere between some of them 2000 up to 5000 rooms i mean they're wow. they got miles of walking trails are built around lakes they got they're all themed differently one of my favorites that that we go to we've been taking the kids there for the last 20 years um when they were little it's called the wilderness lodge and uh so all you audio listeners if you're not in a car driving right now just pause this and, and Google Disney's Wilderness Lodge and take a look at this building. And believe me, this is going to get back to game. I, I know I'm, <laughs> way off, but it's, I'm getting there. Um, so anyway, uh, I, we went to the Wilderness Lodge and uh, we hung out there and it's, it's a great place and all that. But a year and a half ago, we published Path of the Vanished, which is a, a big campaign adventure. It's for BX and for 5E. And one of the main uh, adventure areas in Path of the Vanished is the wilderness lodge okay and i just uh, did what you told me to and that yeah. place is crazy wow. it's in, it's 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 not what you think it is go look at a picture it, it is crazy. that's what i'm doing i'm looking at a picture yeah. of it and it's crazy yeah, it's like a, a swiss God. family robinson but like 20 stories on tall. a million steroids right yeah yeah, yeah. 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 There's so no it's a, there yeah, no there's like four restaurants there there's three swimming pools which are not pools i mean they're water parks by themselves but awesome. anyway uh, and it's all northwest american themed resort so when i say wilderness lodge it's kind of the, the canadian northwest you know that's that's the theming of this place so anyway you can if you're looking at pictures like I said, you can see you, you can look at this place once you're there it just it blows your mind you're like so i went there 20 years ago and i said oh my god this would make a great location for a DD adventure so over the course of the years i kind of mucked around with it and into this and that but anyway about a year and a half ago, so like it became a major uh feature in our path of the vanished adventure campaign um there's like six seven that's the campaign that's kind of like a like the slaver series kind of so thing. that is a sequel to the slaver series so this that 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 path of advantage is 50 years after the slave lord series ends uh they're back essentially but they're doing something a lot different a lot more nefarious and uh basically everyone they're kidnapped just disappears and no one ever they're not put on the slave markets they're going doing something else with them so i don't want to spoil it for any potential players out there so um but anyway uh so wilderness lodge getting back to that is is one of the one of the big uh, location areas to adventure in. So I took a couple hard copies down there with me. And I'm like, I'm going to get some pictures of because uh, the cover of Path of the Vanished. Uh, I have one right here. Show you guys. It's a cover by Lloyd Metcalf. Did the cover on this one, and so he oh, did wow. like there uh, it is. Uh, yep, there it is. So there the Wilderness Lodge is right on the cover, actually, yeah. and there's you know a battle going on, all that kind of thing out front of it. But uh, so I took the book down there and I, I bribed my youngest daughter, who's who's 21. I said, you know what, you're going to follow me around with the camera and you're going to your, you know, phone camera and you're going to take a bunch of pictures. We're going to take pictures of me and the book and and all this kind of stuff. And I'm going to I'm going to put it up on a, uh, you know, a Kickstarter update on my Facebook just to thank all our backers again. And like, it's been out. We shipped this over a year ago, but it's it's been long since I've had a chance to get back down there. So anyway, we're we're going around the resort, and I'm t I'm standing there, and she's taking pictures of me with this book, right? So at some point, these Disney cast members come up because it, with this kind of look on their face, like, "Well, what are you guys doing?" You know. But in a, it, it's Disney, so they're happy. Okay. Like, Disney. <laughs> what are you guys? So doing? it's not it, it's not they didn't have security guards in tow saying, you know, what are you guys doing here. Um, and they're just like, they're like this, you know, what are you guys doing? What, you know, what's going on here? And I, I, there's about four or five of them standing there and, and Disney, they're not employees. They're called cast members, everyone down there. So I'm explaining to the cast members, I'm showing in the book. I go, oh, have you ever heard of Dungeons and Dragons? And a couple of them are, oh yeah, yeah. Or my, hey, my, you know, whatever my brother plays. And so I'm showing them the book and they're looking at the cover and they're going, is that our lot? I said, yeah, that's, that's your resort on the cover. And you open it up and there's some maps that pretty much mimic the whole resort. We've got the whole thing laid out in here. 
And they're just like, you know, they're like, that is so cool. Yada, yada, yada. And again, this is not about me patting myself on the back. I'm getting to the main point. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, a, bunch, a couple of assistant managers, the head manager for the, you know, the resort sh- uh, comes walking over. They all got earpieces in because apparently one of the cast members said, hey, you got to come see this. The next thing I know, I got about a dozen people standing around us. They're all <laughs> posing with the book, taking pictures. The hotel manager, he's taking a picture of the book and he's, he tells me, he goes, I'm sending this to all the other resort managers on property because we have a book and they don't. <laughs> and it was, it was hilarious. Right. I mean, they were, they were joking with us and we had a great, good old time. And I gave them the two copies I had, we were done taking pictures. I said, here, you guys keep them, you know, pass them to family members who might play whatever. And uh, it, it was a really cool thing to do that. But so the, the point of my story was I, I didn't get the game recently, but I got to do this. Uh-huh. And this was something that, 40 years ago, when we were playing D&D in our basements. We could, I don't think any of us could imagine being in a public place, having people come up and say, that is so cool. And it, it, this could have been anyone's. This could have been Frog Guys product. It could have been Kabul Press's product. I don't care that it was our, our product. It, it doesn't matter to me. It's not what I'm, I'm looking for here. But to have all that go on in a, in a place like that and all these people checking out and saying, oh, my God, this is so cool. I, like I said, I don't. I, we I guess what I'm say is we've come a long way, baby, right? Oh, we've yeah. Come a long way. Because this would not have been a thing 15 years ago, 20 years ago, and certainly not 40 years ago when we, when we were basically playing in the basement. So um, I think that says something about our hobby overall, because almost all these people had heard of Dungeons and Dragons, right? So um, I think I just, uh, I guess my point being is that you don't have to play to have memorable experiences with this game. We talk about all the time about going to game conventions and just sitting around mm-hmm. talking to our friends. That experience uh, of me ha- having an opportunity to do that and, and have these people, you know, have fun with it in the way they did, that's going to be as memorable to me as any gaming experience I've ever right had. on probably. par, yeah. And uh, so, you know, we get caught up, I think, in our little gaming world, rightly so. But the big world sees us too. And I, it's cool that they see us the way they see us today versus – kind of the outliers <laughs> i think we were more more or less before so anyway that was what i did in gaming this month so i finally had something to talk about Woo-hoo, that's awesome uh, I, that's I hope awesome, you get man. to uh i hope you get to run this game for the next management retreat uh for <laughs> oh, the Disney yeah. execs of the wilderness lodge i think if you can you know wrangle that yeah. one that would be that sweet. Would, now, now that, that i have experience I got to get my son Ben involved in that because he knows exactly. of people because he was, when I texted him, he was not down there at, at this time. He was up in Chicago for work. And, and uh, I said, Hey, we're at the women's lodge. I was going on. Cause he worked for Disney. Uh, people know my son Ben worked for Disney too. And he works for Nord games right now, but he, uh, uh, he thought that was really cool. And he's like, oh, I'm going to start reaching out to people and, and, and get the skinny. So that was, that was kind of <laughs> cool. But uh uh, but I will have actually gaming stuff to talk about next month because I will be at Gary County and I will be gaming some. Awesome. All right. There, so I told you guys, that. I told you guys I'd be long. I apologize. And I know oh, no, that was somewhere with all that. Journey's worth the uh, the end there. That was awesome. Um, all right. So, you know, talking about beautiful books. Uh, so, Brian, we brought you on here, obviously, because uh, y- y- you've accomplished something that, that very few people have. Uh, you have put together an entire system uh, in a in a lovely looking book. 
neon lords of the toxic wastelands man it's you know you you were really kind to me i i forget what uh i think it was on facebook uh i had heard about it i heard had been hearing things about this uh this is kind of a I feel like it's maybe a grassroots sort of thing because I keep hearing like little whispers, people talking about say, Hey, have you seen this new thing? And, and I think I had responded on Facebook about like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to see this work. And I, you know, get a hold of a copy and then you pop on there and you're like, Hey, you know, how about this? And you send me a, a PDF of it. And it, you know, I I'm in the middle of writing this adventure uh, that I'm wanting to get uh, kickstarted here. And I'm like, well, I'll take a quick look as a break, you know, cause I've just been slaving typing away and everything. And the next thing I know, it's like 45 minutes later and I'm only into like the first, you know, 20 pages of the book because it's so thick with all this, uh, all sorts of little Easter eggs and and uh, the visual uh, aesthetic of it is so interesting to me. And it's, you know, hitting all these 80s and 90s uh, ephemera that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm perseverating on from my own uh, young adult and childhood so man, thank you for being here. <laughs> Talk about the oh, no going the long road road here. Yeah, uh, that's all good. Let's let's. Lou, I'm rubbing about, off on you. Yeah, <laughs> I fortunately this way to begin with, but uh, let, let's let's start at the beginning, man, because I want to I want to hear the whole story, how this came to be, and all about it. And I, I love to ask people, gamers. This is my favorite thing about running into other gamers. How did you get into gaming? What what are your early gaming memories? What what are your you know what imprinted on you? So Hero Quest. Six, like uh, in sixth grade, I had to have it. I saw the commercial with like the kids playing it and like all the like the <laughs> goblins and stuff. So that that was like the uh, the the start of it. Because then you get the set, and then like you're kind of bored with just the setup. So it's like you kind of like improvise, like role playing from there. And it's like okay, well, then you kind of make your own like rudimentary rules. But then like <laughs> you notice that there is a game Dungeons and Dragons, and then you end up. Then we got the the red box. And then uh, it just kind of went from there and then went into second edition and then kind of third was okay. Like for me, then like, you know, I was in college at that point. So then kind of just was like, nah, I'm done with this. And then uh, everybody wanted to play fifth edition and then everyone was like, oh, fifth. So then um, they're like, oh, do you know how to play Dungeons and Dragons? I'm like, well, yeah. Like, like, oh, teach us how to play, teach us how to play. Cause like, you know, uh, critical role is like really Mm -hmm. big and like, the Matt Mercer effect like took over <laughs> the world and then uh, everyone wants to play. So then I was teaching everybody how to play fifth edition and then um, and everybody kept playing and we ended up getting to like 10th level in, uh, in fifth. And then I was just like fatigue, like fifth fatigue hit me hard. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, man, I'm just done with fifth edition. Like I want to make my own game where it's just he man, everyone's, everyone's <laughs> masters of the universe. So that's like, so that was the basic idea. Everyone was going to be like, like like a he-man character and then it's like well that's not going to work because then someone's got to like be like a spellcaster so then it's like all right well then we got to have a spellcaster class and then it's like all right well then you got to have like a paladin cleric class it's like all right well then you gotta have a thief class so it's like damn it so like you can't just make you can't just make a class of all master universe characters because it just won't work unfortunately like in the dynamic of like um group building i got or, uh-huh. or party building everybody I mean, I guess have that spot i mean you probably could area. but <laughs> yeah but like who would who would want to play it uh-huh. i'll do what you did <laughs> right. that's yeah. typically the problem with most uh games that mimic basically a, 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 some other ip right well especially an ip with a single hero 
I think one of the big challenges, right? You've got He-Man, but we need four players or six players or whatever. There, we can't have six He-Man or whatever because they just, yeah, the RPG world literally with that. Yeah, with literally that Conan role playing game, right, Indiana exactly. Jones role playing game, right? Same yeah. the same. Yeah, problem. I mean, like realistically, to an extent, for me, Star Wars is too. I have like zero interest in playing any role playing game of Star Wars because it's like, well, I can't be Darth Vader. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it because apparently all of us own Star Wars, but none of us have actually played it. So yeah. not true, not true. I played like, a lot of that. But, that's but a, yeah. that was a big game in high school too. That like the um, West End games one, uh-huh. I think. Yeah, like that was like a big push. Everybody wanted me to play that, and I just had zero interest. Like I like Star Wars, but like I don't know, I'm just not interested in it. It's like I can see that with like other IPs as well. Like yeah, who wants to play like? conan because one person plays conan especially those um dnd books of it like they have <laughs> yeah. the the statted up conan and then someone else plays like the chick in the movie it's like <laughs> all right cool <laughs> the falcon's coming for you oh, oh nice <laughs> hey i said i like star wars I, I'm <laughs> not interested. Yeah. yeah um okay so i, I looking at your book i'm like man this this thing's meaty this thing's you know a, a whole whole world unto itself i kind of with my own experience was thinking you probably started with something other than this like there was probably a game before this that you made for you or your friends am i wrong on that yeah this is the first thing i ever oh my gosh holy (laughs) cannoli man really oh man that that's amazing i I, that's wow man it's like you know hey i want to go mountain climbing where's everest at (laughs) geez wow yeah i mean i don't know it was weird because it was just like i was like i woke i just woke up literally one day i was like i'm gonna write a game and then like two <laughs> years later like I, I like non-stop for two years just like wrote it all down and then made the book wow um I, i'm just dumbfounded wow uh we, we talked about uh mork bork and the the visual uh you know style of that game and how it's you know uh it really everything they say not to do as far as layout goes that game kind of pushes into and against now you know obviously it does it in a way that works and uh, and i feel like your book kind of has that same appeal to it um where did that come in and in in uh you know was was that your decision or did you have somebody on your art team that was working with that or you know tell me a little bit about that because that's just fascinating to me no so Morkborg Kickstarter hit when I was about halfway through writing it. And I was like, all right, well, I don't want the book to look like that. Cause I kind of had that same idea, not as over the top with the, with the layout, more like um, Rogue Trader, the original Mm -hmm. uh, Warhammer 40k book, like kind of like that, like old school games workshop, like eighties look to it. That was like what I wanted. Like, that's what I wanted from this, the get go with a little bit more like modernized modernization ish to it, I guess. I don't know. So like I saw Mark Borg and I was like, okay, that's awesome and cool for what they do. But I definitely don't want to go that far because like there is like people who freaking just flat out hate it. They're like, well, I can't read it. I don't understand (laughs) it. I don't want to look at it. So it's like, well, damn it. I don't want a book like that. So then, yeah. So like we kind of just stayed. Well, yeah, I did all the, like the only thing I didn't do was the drawing. I did everything else in the book. Oh, wow. And this is your one first of the, project. Yeah. One of the things that really, uh, really struck me about this, uh, about the, the book, both the content and the look of it, is that there's this sort of overlay of 
uh, going wild, going out there, doing some crazy stuff. Uh, but I feel like you come back to essentials, simple, clean when it matters. So like, you've got, you've got all the, I know, uh, Lou had sort of said, well, he's got fonts all over the place, which is absolutely true, but you're the, the stuff you actually have to read is like plain vanilla. You know, it's like about as, about as clean and simple as you could possibly have it. And I felt like the same thing with the, the rules and the fluff that you, you really do push the, uh, push hard to give us the feel that, you know, that you want us to have. But when it comes to actually explaining the stuff that matters, like, so you've got a bunch of humor in there, you've got a bunch of um, set dressing, whatever, you know, it's all, but then again, when you get back to what matters, it's like, here's a nice, simple table. Here's some nice, simple rules. You're obviously, you know, falling back on uh, D and D, it, you know, at the core, this felt right. comfortable yeah. to me. Like, it's not like, like, it's not like I was in, uh, you know, you, you stuck with the tonal, you know, the, the tonal system for a song that I'm used to. We're not, we're not <laughs> out there and, you know, going crazy, crazy, but, but there's enough crazy here to make it yours, to make it fun, to make it uh, something different, but enough uh, tradition, I guess, to make it easy. At least for me, it seemed pretty easy to, I was like, oh yeah, I know, I know this. And yeah, therefore yeah. I can, I can I can follow it into its its uh, crazy places. Yeah, my yeah, analogy. So, oops, sorry. Go ahead, Bill. Oh, that's all right. I'll I'll be quick. Um, I I'm going to uh, piggyback on what, what Edwin's saying here about about the product itself and the book because I I am the one guy who likes to talk about presentation that kind of thing. And I think what I really liked about this is it it is uh, the the evocativeness of how your book is presented, but you still keep that. Like Edward says, there is a path through this book that you can just stick and stay on and you get all the all the meat and potatoes that you need out of it. But you've got all the rest of the kind of the gonzo on every page, which is which is really cool, because I think what you did perfectly here is you captured your game. We were talking about earlier about Lou B. Lou. I think you captured yourself and what you wanted to do with that book perfectly. And and I'm going to I'm going to tell everyone who takes a look at this thing. Uh, take a look at it. Don't make an instant judgment on it because it is a, it, 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 there's, there's a, like Edward said, there's a lot going in on, on every page. There's a lot, yeah. <laughs> but um, it works. It really works. You know, it's just, you, you can't, can't put your finger on exactly why it does work, but it does. And it works. It works perfectly well. I can tell what you were doing with this thing and uh, that you got to the place you wanted to be. And the book does a great job of presenting the rules, presenting the game you want to present in a way that makes the reader want to play the game because he has that feel all the way through. And that's a hard thing to do. And you did it on coming out of the gate. You hit the first fastball right out of the park. And it's a it's a it's a great product. So that's from a presentation standpoint, everybody really uh, take a look at this thing. It's very, very cool. And it's going to be different enough. I think it stands on its own and you're going to want to play it if you read it because you just, you get that feel just by, by flipping through the pages. And it is fun. Awesome. First of all, thank you. Thank you. My my analogy is like every page is a firework, but it's not the, uh, the, the, the grand finale, you know what I mean? So everything it's it's fun to look at, it's, but it's not so chaotic that you're like, Oh my goodness. You know, I don't know where to go next or whatever it's, 
what all went into the soup here i mean this this has a lot of different (laughs) themes and a lot of different like homages to things there's there's so much soup there's so much (laughs) in it that i forget half of the stuff that i put in it like uh shit i was just talking about something like there's like an area in like one of the places we call dragon sound and that's like the name of the band from miami connection like the (laughs) the old 80s like crappy movie it's like oh okay yeah that's where i got it from like (laughs) it's just like like things i forgot that i put in that like or like i'll just read it and i'll be like oh that's actually pretty funny like like (laughs) i forgot i wrote that but yeah there's like anything i could think of like to put in i put in yeah, man, I, there, there are two things that I, when I was going through, just, just put me over the edge. The one is the binary. Did, were you the mastermind behind the binary in it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I, so everything, I, I don't want to like pat myself on the back, but everything in the book. Pat yourself on the back. Yeah, if, <laughs> I, I, I like, I, you know, like if it's drawn, like an actual drawing that like I paid somebody to do it. Other than that, like I did everything else. So yeah, those uh, what what's the skull guy's name? Uh, uh, Rude Robbie. Yeah, Rude Robbie. So he's <laughs> there's always this little binary code underneath everything he says, and I got to I don't know maybe the third time I saw that I'm like, what if that's just you know gimmick or it, I'm gonna put that in the computer and see what it really says, you know? Oh man, that is that is amazing, you know, all the way through the book, all these little hidden messages. Yeah, and that's then, what, uh, Go ahead. I was gonna <laughs> do it. I was gonna do it once, but then it's like, damn it, people are gonna like. <laughs> want it so i had to do it every single time so it's like <laughs> it's just like the added work but it's like it's that little detail like added work that makes it like so much better in the end because there actually is like a hidden character class in the book and then uh people thought it was in the the binary they're like oh it's got to be in the binary it's like no it's not <laughs> but yeah but there is something there but it's not the hidden class but yeah i didn't mean to cut you off though but no 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 i was just that, that and uh, what's the, I mean, there are so many things. Um, oh, the, in the back with the maps, the, uh, the arcade that has the knocked over uh, Polybius machine. Yeah. I, I was like, I, ha- I have that in my game system too. And I was like, man, I, I don't know if anyone even knows about that urban legend or whatever. It's like, oh, that's right there. That's awesome. Yeah. I actually have, uh, have rules. Like if, like in one of the adventures eventually coming out you do find the polybius machine and there's rules that like when you play it like it alters your character and everything so (laughs) it just sucks i haven't got around to like publishing that part yet because like it was like the coolest thing to write but then like nobody ever sees it yet oh i I get how that goes what uh you know another thing that's amazing not not just visually but but structurally the uh the characters that you have in this um some of the little like uh I don't know what you want to call them, but like sub sub rules, like the, the bonuses for the hairdos and stuff. I mean, there's there's a lot of things there going on, uh, a lot of different tones from the, the what is it? The biocorn, is that right? Brutacorn. And so you got that. That's a very unique kind of thing. But then that's also in there with uh, with the robot Reagans and all that. Um, but it all works. It all kind of you think this is a disjointed world but it's disjointed to the point that it's jointed, you know, like it all kind of folds yeah. in on itself. What are some of your favorite yeah. uh, left turns there in, in some of the stuff you've put in? Mm, uh, Reagan, the uh, cyber skins are really cool. I like them a lot. Like, I don't feel like they get the, like everybody likes them as a joke, but you never really, I never really see them getting played as much. Like everybody goes to the Heather <laughs> and then the Brutacorn and the Cosmic Barbarian. But like, there's like a lot of like uh, little subtle nuances to the other classes. I feel 
that nobody really gets to see because they never play them. But that's the problem when you got like like ones that everyone's like, oh, I got to play it. I got to play it. But then the other ones don't get the. I mean, like the Night Stalker is like a Chuck Norris worshiping ninjas. <laughs> but then like nobody ever like nobody ever plays them. Yeah, I, I, I guess, you know, I, I could see that, you know, if I put this in front of my group, uh, that I mean, it's it's going to take them a long time just to settle on which one they want. You know, it's like being in the candy store. A lot of. Yeah, we were at uh, PAX Unplugged and I ran uh, like five games or something in three days. And then out of all five games, there was always a Brutacorn and always a Heather <laughs> class without fail. I like the War Wizard, dude. Yeah, I, I, that was the second class after. So the name of the game originally was Battle Lords, but obviously there's like another game called <laughs> Battle Lords. So I had, I had to had to finally come up with a name. And then obviously like the hero or the He-Man aspect kind of fell through. And then, yeah, the War Wizard was like the second class that I, that I made for it. I was like Black Metal, Death Metal, Wizard. Like what else do you need? <laughs> no, it's super cool. Yeah. Like I, I, I like, like the whole... Yeah, I like the whole spin on, on, on the apocalypse too that that you, you have with this game. Um, I, I like post-apocalypse games and there's a great variety of them out there. I think a lot of them take themselves too seriously and uh, <laughs> yeah um, you know I, and, and I, I can name a couple they're fantastic games, but you know they're long dead basically I mean aftermath, aftermath yeah. is one and that Morrow project is another I mean he's these games, the level of uh, realism, detail in them are insane, right? And they're, we all know them. They're cool as hell, but they're also dry in a way, right? So what I, I think what I like what you did here is you you put your own spin on on the quote-unquote apocalypse, and it is very cool. And the fact that you have kind of magic and technology, I mean, that's, everyone likes those mash. Well, not everyone, but most sane people <laughs> like those kind of man. Yeah. Decent human cool beings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like that. That's the, the right thing. That's like the overflow from Masters Universe, like the magical technology. Yes. That was like every sure. 80s, every 80s cartoon had that. Absolutely, right? The Thunder yep. or Thunder, Thunder yep. right? I'm thinking on it. Yep. God, what was the other one? There's another one that uh, JC yeah. and the uh the, never uh, never asked me to remember yeah. things, but uh um yeah, you're right. You're for sure right about that. 80s cartoons and and how they handle that kind of stuff. It, while we're talking art here also, um, who all did you have on your art team? What, what are, you know, how did that all come about? I mean, it's obviously an important part so, of the book. Yeah, so like old Games Workshop art was like, that was the big thing to me. That's what I wanted. Oh, yeah. Most. I mean, a lot of it so, looks like, like uh, Russ Nichols, right? Or Nicholson. I got this wrong. What's Russ's last name? Bill, come on, help me. Fien, Fien Folio, me. No, Folio, I... Russ, Nicholas. Oh, Nicholas. Um, well, I hate the Fien Folio. Ah, so I, I it was Nichols. Nichols, 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 Russ Nichols. You're right. Nichols. You're right. It is Nichols. Nichols. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Inter uh, segue, but man, it, it, a lot of it does remind me of that now that you mentioned that. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, that's got that gritty mm -hmm. style. Yeah. So then uh, uh, I was just, you know, kind of perusing, you know, you see artists all over Instagram, Facebook, like all the like old school art or gaming uh, groups and stuff. And then Mustafa, the guy who did like 90% of the art, kind of linked up with him and he kind of helped 
Like I explain it to him. He's like, all right, I got you. Like, and you would draw it. I'm like, yep, that's exactly like we hit that, that perfect vibe. So then from there, he did like most of the art and he like is going to continue to do more, most of the art, probably like 99% nice. of the art from here forward. And then um, Diogo did the, like the, so I got like, I don't know if you ever saw like the, the Kickstarter exclusive cover. Cool. Um, he did, he did that. And he did some of the art in there. It just pretty much came to like, if I, if I liked your style, I like, I'd get a hold of, I'd get a hold of them and like, like ask them to do a piece or two. A lot of it was pre Kickstarter that I was just amassing art with no intention of ever using it, like not necessarily having like a place for it, but then just kind of getting like, uh, like a, like a, a look and a feel to the game. So then like, when I try to explain it to people, I have some sort of like art to show like, Hey, like this is kind of like the idea. And then just from there, just put th smashing it into the book <laughs> wherever I can. Cause I already paid for it. Uh, it, it kind of perked my ears up a minute. Um, so what was your process as far as publication? So you didn't originally make this thinking, Oh, I'm going to kickstart this. Uh, yeah. I mean, I always, so the main, it was pretty much, I wanted to kickstart oh, okay. it because I want, I wanted a hard copy for myself <laughs> and didn't have to pay, pay for it myself, even though I've put more money into the project than, I mean, you oh, guys know, yeah. like you put more of your own, own money into it, but I got my hard cover <laughs> copy, but so I'm happy, but I, I had to, you got your, you got your thousand dollar, uh, your thousand dollar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, but yeah, that was the goal. It's like, if I could, if I can get myself a hardcover copy of, of the game, I'm good. I'm happy with it. That was my goal. Sweet. But it turns out people like it too. So I guess uh, <laughs> I have to sell some more. <laughs> um, you, you basically have a, a chassis of the BX rules in there, right? Any yeah. particular reason why you chose those? I mean, was it, you know, how they meshed with the setting uh, or just familiarity? just so streamlined and simple and perfect it's just like you can't beat them there's so much it's it's so much like meat to it that like um you can add to it and it like it just blends meshes well with everything i feel i don't know it was just like just an easy one to work with i feel like over like uh other games anything you had to add or take away or you know play down um yeah, so like uh, like when it came to like uh, you know um, Dungeon Call Classics, when you when you critical, you go you roll on like a like a critical hit chart. So like I took that idea. So each class has their own like we call them to the max <laughs> chart. So then like it's it's class based critical hit charts rather than like um, strength based because I think like in DCC like wizards roll like on a lower chart, right. and then like higher up like. Yeah. Uh, warriors and stuff have their own yeah. chart and all that stuff but like yeah it's like it's just it's more class-based so a war wizard well i mean casting spells will like you know decimate somebody if they to the maximum or like even like a uh like a brutacorn to the max could just like insta kill anything rather than like based on its strength so like a level one could still just do it because i mean like who doesn't want to like <laughs> have that chance that explosive one chance. gore yeah of course it definitely but uh seems that that kind of swinginess definitely is a is a flavor piece that uh, I, I ran a fundraiser game with uh for extra life a couple months ago i think 
And, uh, you know, we were running just a sort of traditional module, but uh, I was running it in DCC and the shit that went down because of the crits <laughs> and the fumbles. And, and it was so much more fun. Like it just, it just, because you can just, yeah, you can go anywhere. You can, you can put anything on the table and know that something's going to come up to, or, or not, you know, or, or, or yeah. it's going to turn left or right, yeah. but it's going to turn somewhere fun. Well, and this, this has yeah, that too, exactly. which is really nice. Yeah. And for game masters and designers, that's nice because you don't have to think so cautiously about what you're putting into the game because right. that swinginess, Hey, you know, first level characters against a dragon, there's a chance, you know? Yeah. Well, and it forces you to, to be less precious. Cause you know, you, you know, you're the thing that that thing you spent all night creating. Yeah. It might go down in one roll because that's that role. You turned them inside out and all of a sudden it's gone. <laughs> and, and that, that allows yeah, exactly. you to create, I think more fluidly and less, cause you're not, you're not like, you know, painting the eyelashes on the thing. You're just like <laughs> making the big bob. Like, okay, this is whatever it is. Yeah, for sure. Like, that's why like the emphasis on um, like high lethality may like as a fun factor of the game that people really like, like at PAX, um, we had like a skull jammer. He, uh, he fumbled on just like trying to like digitally unlock the door and ended up shooting himself in the face with a laser and died like first roll of the convention. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, uh, I was like, well, we can like, you know, just like respawn, you know, he's like, Nope. He's like, this was the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. I'm just going to sit and watch the rest of the game. <laughs> wow. Like, that's awesome. All right. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I like the, I like that you use BX. Um, I have a bias. I mean, we have our own version of BX that, that we publish and you know, it's, there's no, there's a reason that there's some of the labyrinth lords out there, right. You've got yeah. um, obviously uh, old school adventures or old school essentials is out there. So the nice thing about BX though, I think is that it, it anyone who plays D and D is, is any version of D and D can easily move into a game like this. It's yeah. just, it's intuitive. Um, you, you know how the system works and, and BX is, there's a certain magical thing about BX that it's flexibility to let you kind of really stretch out into different rule into different genres, still using BX is really amazing. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's really, uh, it's flexible and, and it works perfect for this game. I think too, it was one of the things I noticed going through it that, you know, it's, it's a great system to select to use um, because uh, one, most people can, can play it very easily. It's super easy to pick up, yet it allows you to do things like your, we we're just talking about your critical hits and fumble stuff because BX does have that, that, that built in flexibility to do strange and, and, and different things across different genres and platforms. So I think it's a really good choice. Uh, and again, it, it, the learning curve is going to be real easy to pick up for almost anybody. So I think it's a, it's a really good move. It's um, both practically speaking and aesthetically speaking. Yeah. What he said. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. You can say it better than I can. I just like BX good. I don't know. <laughs> really, that's, that, that's exactly what I said. So you did it much better. <laughs> <Shorter. laughs> well, so are yeah. we going back to the OSC? No, no. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, it's like, well, yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, like, a, look at like, uh, like Warhammer fantasy role play. Like, like Zweihander is like a, like a clone of that. Who knows how to play that? Like off the top of your head, you know, exactly. it's like, like D hundreds, like up the ass. It's like, but BX that D 20, everybody yep. knows what a D 20 is. 
Yeah. Uh, you, you've already got, I mean, this is just blowing my mind. Cause I, I, you know, before we had a chance to sit down and talk, I just really had this uh, imaginary life that you had lived where you had wrote in all these games that you had just been kind of mixing around with your friends. And then this is your first push out, but so right out of the gates, this is your first push out. Uh, and you've got content, like a decent amount of content. What all is out there and, and how do you pace yourself? What's the projection for neon Lords here? Oh, so yeah, we got the core rule book out. Um, there's the introduction adventure. Well, there's three adventures in the book. And then there's the introduction adventure, last outpost on the left. Um, and then there's the solo rules and adventure for that that's um, thirsty for more. And then they, uh, we did a Halloween themed adventure. Did we just toss it on drive through? Hell Night Hijinks, uh -huh. I think we called that one. And then the projection is um, a good problem to have is I ran, I'm like dangerously low on copies of the book. So we have to kickstart a second print in August. Awesome. You heard so it here, like, folks. Uh, yep. And it's going to have a new new cover and then like um, quality of life improvements on a bunch of the typos and stuff that I missed. And some of the places where I don't like like my wording I'm going to just like kind of clean it up and then all new adventures in it. And then the hidden class is going to stay hidden, but um, I'm going to add a hidden adventure to it now too. Whoa. <laughs> so, <laughs> to add to the, the, the mystique, this one's going to be a lot easier to find. I'm not, I can't tell you where it's going to be, but it'll be a lot easier to find than the, the, the hidden class. Excellent. Awesome. And then, yeah and then we have like a uh just a few random supplements like with the co coinciding with that one there's like saturday morning meltdown we're gonna do that has like a like a new class in it and just like some like saturday morning themed like zany adventure kind of stuff and then we're gonna do a deities and demigods book because like uh the big thing is the uh wrestling pantheon <laughs> in the book is like uh much like the savage one lord randy's like the like the zeus of the world and he ended up locking all the uh, other wrestling gods away but now they have broken <laughs> out of the the hell cell because in many in like the main artifact oh man i, I wish i remember this in like the the big artifact the uh, the world championship belt in the game <laughs> yeah yeah there's a world championship belt artifact oh man it's killer it's awesome. yeah so there's like tons and then like a vehicle supplement because like every 80s toy line had like awesome vehicles so we got to have like a vehicle supplement kind of like uh after the bomb oh, yeah the road hogs yeah like that's that's on the list there's like i have like 50 adventures listed <laughs> like it's just because it's just so stupid how like uh it's just there's so much you could just do it's like it's just like all right well that's a good idea we could do that we could do that because it's like you got like the main mega cities, so you could run like urban, like cyberpunk adventure kind of things in those. You got the wastelands. You got like pretty much any playground you want to run, like any kind of adventure, and we you could do it in Neon Lords, and then just crank it to like <laughs> twenty and be good. So, uh, it, for people that haven't seen the book, uh, not familiar with the game, where can they experience this? Are, are you at? Are you or anybody running it that you're aware of at any cons coming up here? Uh, live plays on you know twitch or whatever what, what can we see on this yeah so it's a lot of things so there's a local unfortunately most of the main cons i, I won't be able to go to this year because of work and stuff 
like I was trying to, I make, I probably won't be able to go to Gen Con. They, like uh, the library, Alexandria RPG, they, uh, I, they sent me to PAX Unplugged. They do like a, like a, a mobile RPG library where they go to all the conventions with a bunch of books. You can go check them out and stuff. And then I DM Neon Lords from there. And they asked me to go Gen Con with them, but I don't think I can make it to that one. I know some people were talking about running Neon Lords games at conventions, so you might see it pop up, but it won't be me, unfortunately. But um, there's a local con in upstate New York called Anchor Con. I'll be at that. That's like the main one I'll be at for that. Unfortunately, that's pretty much the only the con I got. Good advertisement for them. What? Uh, how about uh, YouTube streaming ways to see it played? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, yeah, on our YouTube channel, there's a few games in our Facebook group. That's where we were streaming for a long time, just because we we're getting better like interaction. Um, there's a, a few stream games. And then um, we're actually going starting to go to Twitch, starting to get it on the Twitch, getting that the buzz on a Twitch channel because like we were there and like not getting any views. So it's like, I mean, it's whatever, but like, it's always more fun to have mm-hmm. people like in the chat, <laughs> like, like, like talking about it. So we're just trying to get the buzz going on the, the Twitch. So I do a show. There's a uh, Joey Royale. He read, he wrote uh, Ninja city, the uh, DCC adventure. Okay. We do, we do a show together called ravioli for Randy, <laughs> where we just talk about like VHS tapes and like, horror movies and heavy metal and all that stuff and then like that show like i actually have an episode that tomorrow that's gonna be our big push to twitch too because like we get a lot of people and very interested in like the 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 movie influences in the book and everything excellent um beyond neon lords do you have any non-neon lords projects that you're kind of putting on the back burner right now no, I, I like Neon Lords a lot. So I think I'm going to stick with like just cranking out as much as I can for it. Because I mean, like we're just thinking about like, you know, like doing like world supplements, mm-hmm. you know, like like Cyberpunk did, like do a Japanese one where it's all kaijus and like giant <laughs> robots. Like <laughs> it just makes me laugh thinking about like how ridiculous that would be. So like it's just the, it's on this is open so open-ended uh-huh. that like i could just keep writing in it forever and i feel like i would be very happy with that that's awesome all right well speaking of writing we've got a few letters from the homeowners association so why don't we uh, move on to that for a moment we just got a letter we just got a letter we just got a letter wonder who it's from my opinion this letter writer is a total wacko all right we got two letters in the hoppers today guys uh, first one is from david forcher And he writes, hello again from Alabama. This is Dave. I wrote you back when Thomas and Briggy were hosting and have been too busy since Bill and Edwin took over to do it again until now. I was thinking about an old blog I recently reread. It was talking about the way a D&D combat encounter typically runs and the ebb and flow you typically see at different levels of play. It was very clear that some readers didn't like the D&D fight mechanics and stated that crit rolls were necessary to keep the fights from running too long. There was also lampooning about how ridiculous it was that within the course of an adventure, a PC would get struck multiple times by swords across multiple combats and still be in one piece. What are your thoughts about D&D combat as well as the combat systems of other RPG games? What combat systems do you like and why? 
Looking forward to some of these awesome guests, and sorry to hear about losing the recording with Mr. LeBlanc. Is, uh, yeah, <laughs> still hurting, still hurting from that one, but we'll, we'll get him back on here. Uh, his blog site is indeed a marvelous treasure trove. I hope your games are all legendary, Dave. All right, DD combat and other systems. What do we think? Well, uh, what do we have? Three hours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, I think the the idea that combat and hit points and healing and all that is, you know, is such a big kettle of fish that we've been talking about for 40 years. I don't know if we have much to add to it, really. I mean, it's sort of a, you know, you can take your choice on how realistic you want to be and how how much uh, you want your realism to to be your fun or to interfere with your fun and you know what is it you know I, I don't even like the idea of thinking of a single attack roll as being a single hit you know i sort of am thinking about uh you know what to me you know the sword fighting i've done and how how that feels and you know if i especially especially if i think about the old school you know a minute first of all after oh, yeah. a minute of combat i'm done like, <laughs> I mean, like i'm just I'm, I'm just exhausted at that point but like you I know, yield, but, I yield. exactly like but there's just so much happening that that you know some of these ideas of you know taking your hit points as some big abstraction of luck and skill and bruises and you know sprained ankles and all that you know i can i can definitely see that and appreciate that but there is also the the fun of you know when you get that last solid roll in and you want to really you know cut the monster's head off or or hit the arrow through the heart or through the eyeball or whatever it is and you know, and so then you're then you're really leaning on the idea of a single roll as a single hit, and and that's pretty fun too. So mm-hmm. I think my my takeaway from it over the years has been to try like hell to ignore it. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I'm the same with that. We've been playing this game for since 1977, for Pete's sake, and uh, that those those arguments over realism versus roll playing with our role with two L's. Okay. Is, is a thing I don't even want to deal with anymore. Right. So I, I think combat is an abstract thing in D and D it's better left abstract game mechanics exist. And so I'll get back to my war gaming roots. Um, you know, game mechanics exist because games need mechanics and mechanics always are not going to translate into what our mind's eye is picturing. Um, most of the time it just won't. So uh, I'm, I'm with Edwin on this, you know, I just like a measure of hit points per se, if that's the thing we want to talk about hit points are just, they are what they are. Your character gets beat up, but when you, that last hit comes in, that's when you can have fun describing, okay, yeah, you put a sword, you put your sword through his heart and the guy goes down. Okay. You know, cause you didn't put your sword through his heart the last 12 times. <laughs> so... <laughs> So it's just to me, it's a matter of, of all those things, you know, it, it, combat is combat. The killing blows, the killing blow. That's when we can have a little fun with it. We can get a little descriptive. Um, you know, we can overplay it. We can do all that kind of fun stuff. Um, but the rest of it, you know, it's, it's a mechanic and I'm, I'm very, I'm not a rules lawyer by any stretch of the imagination, but I know games have to have rules and they have to have mechanics and they're not always going to work with what, 
our again this, what, what our mind's eye is of what's actually transpiring on that the, that gaming table in front of us it's the two things are not necessarily hand in hand but they work and i i think uh i mean dnd has been around for as long as it's been around because it works it, it's it's a it, it's it's one of the better systems and there are other systems which I think handle combat really well too, but I can transport us right back into what we were talking earlier about games like the Morrow project and aftermath where hyper combat is in gory 50 page detail <laughs> on what happens when you shoot somebody. Okay. So it's, that's, you know, you can go the other way with it really quickly. And uh, I think, uh, I think D and D handles it as well as any game ever has and uh, it doesn't mean it's the only one i love uh champions combat system i think it's phenomenal different genre i get it but i love the way champions handles combat i think it's really for, for superheroes it's super super cool and it's nothing like like dnd but uh so i i think just stepping back from it and saying okay we always have to realize a role-playing game has got rules and those rules are kind of the, you know, that's, uh, so you don't want right? What do they say? You don't want to see how your dinner's made or how your meat is made, whatever that kind of thing. So it's kind of the same thing. So to the, the other half of his question, well, listen, I don't know if you had something, if you want to talk about uh, how you feel about D&D fight mechanics and so forth and whether our crits, ne- Lou, are crit <laughs> roles necessary to keep combats from going on too long? That's what I really want to know. I, it, Answers may vary, man. It's, uh, you know, and that's that's my takeaway on this is, man, I, I love almost every combat system out of almost every game. And that's because every game's kind of got its thing going. And, and I kind of did an mm-hmm. experiment once uh, back when we were playing Star Wars, uh, the D6 version, really heavy. I kind of I was like, man, you know, a lot of times, you know, we, we only get like two rounds in on combat and it's over because you've you've stunned everybody or they've, you know, a good role incapacitated them or whatever. I miss those D and D days where combats would last, you know, a good part of the game. So I, I reworked the rules one night and we tried kind of doing basically what amounted to D and D style combat. And then we got to play and it's like, this isn't star Wars. What is this? <laughs> you know, <laughs> bludgeoning a stormtrooper for five rounds straight. You know, that's, where's that in the movies, you know? So uh, I learned then and there that it's, you know, every game, if it's written well, the combat works for the feel that it's that trying genre, to give yeah. you. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Like that, that, I think that's why I was mentioning my the champions works. The hero system works for champions extremely well. You know, they made a, a game called Fantasy Hero, which is their version of D&D. Yeah, it works. D&D works better for that <laughs> genre. So, um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the biggest fan of, of – I love reading critical hit and fumbles tables. I don't – I'm not a – Big I don't use them a whole lot, and mainly because I do run a lot of convention games, and that becomes problematic in a convention mm-hmm. game. I've, I've, I sometimes I, I, I let the players decide. I go, hey, we're, if we're gonna do uh, critical hits and fumbles, I run a lot of tournament D and D too. So in the tournament, it's out. You cannot, you can't do it because it, it off balances yeah. a D and D tournament immediately. Um, but in my non-tournament games that I run, I, a lot of times I'll give the players the option. I go, if you guys wanted to use it, we'll use it, you know, but just keep in mind, you guys are second level. You might be dead in 15 minutes exactly. here. One hit, one critical hit. Yep. Yep. Yeah. When, when you get, when you, when you guys get jumped by 16 kobolds, that gives me 16 chances every <laughs> <laughs> to roll a critical hit. 
So, and I'm probably going to get one or two. So anyway, I, I don't know that necessarily you have to have it to speed up D&D combat. I, I enjoy D&D combat, but I, again, I'm, I'm not the greatest judge of that because I'm a, I'm a war gamer at heart. So, right. Right. which leads me into a question. What's, what's behind you on the wall back there? This not, Not you. you. <laughs> Our guy. Oh, uh, which side? All He's those? got a lot behind him. Yes. Those are all Master of the Universe figures. <laughs> Mint in package. That is so cool. Yeah, I, from, a dis- from a distance, it's hard for me to tell from here, but from a distance, they look like Starfleet Battles miniature packs. The, the, oh, the, the, old, the, oh, one wow. of the newer ones. So I, here, was like, me, uh... I was getting really excited for that. <laughs> I have, a, I have a, a cool remote control. Here, let me... Uh... Ooh. <laughs> oh man, this is too much. I know, right? Ooh. I'm trying to just get the hold on. Trying to get the white so, light. So, what, yeah, the white light. Yes. Yeah, so what, see, like, what we're what we're there you go. So so what we're doing, all everyone who has to listen to this <laughs> is you all gotta y'all gotta get on Lou to make us have a visual podcast <laughs> so you can see all the cool things that we do here. Or some yeah, of the things you probably don't exactly. want. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I like my vacuum cleaner hose here that I thought he's talking about. <laughs> That's your uh well I'm actually I'm actually in a good spot this time around. I'm in I'm, I'm in the basement, which is not a basement basement. It's it's we have a fully finished walkout house here. So but this is Ben's domain. He's out of town. I get to sit down in this nice chair <laughs> desk and I got this nice, you know, a backdrop of not just uh something hideous behind me. So earlier when it spun around, I was picturing like a Bond villain exactly. or whatever, you know. <laughs> oh the chair. Yeah, 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 just turn around with, with your cat. cat and be like, <laughs> oh my she's driving me freaking crazy. But anyway, you know, he's got it, he's got his I'm knocking shit down. He's got oh, his whole setup, yeah. setup oh, wow. here. Multiple screens and all kinds of craziness. Mics and lights <laughs> and all kinds of stuff down here. So uh, I did I did want to I did want to bring one back to Dave here. <laughs> <laughs> which one of my favorite combat systems uh just to go to the other extreme is cthulhu dark and the combat system is if you fight a mythos creature you die that's it <laughs> like that's the entire system is like figure out how to run away figure out how to hide there is There's only one box in this chart exactly <laughs> <laughs> just you die <laughs> it's because again it's all about what what genre are we playing and, and that genre is you have no power against these things and that's really uh, i don't know i, I so I, I think the whole extremes of of what's a good combat system can be uh can be good i mean i like call of cthulhu as well enough it's it's still it's tactical in the same way that D is but uh, it's a little little more lively um probably a little more deadly because you have generally fewer hit points but yeah i think i'm with you Lou, that as long as it matches the game eh, i wanted to have something for me to dig into if we're going to spend if we're going to spend more than five minutes on a combat, I want to have some, I want to be able to swing from the chandeliers and get a bonus if that's the genre or whatever. Some option yeah, other I, than I, press fire. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah Brian, what are you thinking? Uh, yeah, pretty much the same. I like low hit points makes it more deadly, mm-hmm. but then it's like, it's like, yeah, it depends on the genre. hundred percent. It's like cyberpunk. You get a headshot. It's a, it's pretty much an insta kill. Yeah, you know, like I got a for you. First edition top secret. Yeah. Oh, uh, you want to die fast? No problem. <laughs> well, you mentioned that one of the things I do really like about that system, and I was kind of disappointed that it didn't emerge in some way in their new world order, is the the hand to hand combat system. Not necessarily exactly how it is in there, but the idea that like it's almost a uh, 
a rock, paper, scissors scenario. Like you decide, mm -hmm. am I going to attack or am I going to defend with my character in this action? And then that compiles with what your, you know, aggressor is doing and it can lead to all different outcomes. I, I, I do like that. Well, I, I, I love top secret first edition. I, I think it's fantastic. I, I think it captures, again, we're talking about rule systems that capture the game that the genre of the game that they're in. And that's, that's a critically important thing. And I think it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with BX. You know, BX gives that versatility. You can you can run across a lot of different platforms with it, and it works really, really well. Um, but for, for sure, I mean, we can sit here and list all kinds of games where the rule <laughs> system works really yeah. well for combat. Yeah. I, I think getting back to D&D, &D, I think one of the things we might be missing, too, that just kind of popped in my head. Um, so as, as potentially dry as a D&D &D combat, session or encounter can be i think what how dnd fixed that is the the vast array of monster special abilities that are so different across that platform so that's i think what keeps most dnd combat encounters from getting boring right i mean yeah if you're going to fight humanoids all day long it's 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 gonna wear on you right but you have so many different types of monsters with different special abilities and different attack methods and that kind of thing. That's what keeps that for, I think that's what keeps D&D combat fresh to me. So, um, good point. Yeah. yeah. All right. Final letter for tonight from Milt. Hope this gets to you. Ye grand architects of the dungeon. I can never remember if your email has two D's or one. I know you always say it, but by the time I sit down to write, I always forget which way it was. One D, one D folks. Oh, like, 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 like hillbillies <laughs> say it. O-L, no D on that. Old, old dungeon. All right. Uh, but let's get to the point. I loved, loved, loved the episode on the U series. It was my first exposure to AD&D and RPGs in general. I very much remember waiting for a ghost to materialize behind each of those upstairs doors. The fight with... This guy's my hero. <laughs> <laughs> the fight with the snake in the chimney room was the first time I had to roll a die that would mean the difference between life and death. And yeah, I made that save. <laughs> During your discussion in that episode, you mentioned a podcast or website about monsters. Could you tell me more about that? Also, I, uh, what would you say are the top 10 most recognizable AD&D monsters? Taking dragons off the table because, well, duh. Thanks for the fun content. Looking forward to the next one. All right, so two questions, Edward. I know you're yeah, you're gonna so champion I, the first one. I think I think it was me, and I think it was Monster Man podcast, which is uh, Monster Man. Well, you can search for it, but MonsterMan.libsyn.com. James Holloway hosts that, and he started I don't know several years ago, three, four, five years ago, four years ago, maybe three years ago. Anyway, and his his goal was to just read the first edition Monster Manual, and he didn't, he doesn't read it out loud, but he just went through it monster by monster and commented on it. And he started doing, you know, sort of what are the historical or folklore roots? And he commented on the art. And since then, so he's done monster manual, monster manual two, uh, monstrous manual. And then he's done a bunch of indie publisher monster manuals and done some nice interviews with people. You know, what's your favorite monster? And, um, I don't know. It's just a really simple concept that he's executed really well. You know, he just has, does his research. So he has good things to say about the monsters in terms of, and then he also has a patron feed, which is uh, he calls patron deities, 
where he's going through, uh, de- went through deities and demigods and sort of went pantheon by pantheon. And again, uh, pretty deep research there, but it's really, you know, what are these things based on? What do we know now? How does the book present these things and how can we use all this stuff in our gaming? Um, so that's the podcast. And I think as a, just as a side note, cause that's what you use podcasts for. Uh, he is, uh, he's crowdfunding, uh, an adventure, the Magonium mine murders, which I helped him play test uh, a year or so ago. That is a really fun, uh, sort of a sandbox murder mystery that he managed to make the mystery. Well, it's actually a couple mysteries, but managed to make a, a mystery where you don't have to just follow the breadcrumbs, A, B, C, D. You can do a proper sandbox and slowly see things figuring out and he's doing that it's on, tricky uh, still it is tricky yeah uh, it, crazy crazy yeah. hard. so he did a nice job on it we and, and there's a lot of other stuff i don't know but anyway it's on itch.io which is also cool because he's he's experimenting with a new crowdfunding or not new new i guess but a new to us gamers crowdfunding mm-hmm. thing <laughs> um so that's kind of fun but so that's the first answer i think all right I think I'll, it's good I'll put that on the, the show description for those of you listening. If you go to Podbean or wherever you're getting the podcast from, it'll be in the description, those links. Cool. So I, Iconic Monsters is the next yeah. one. Oh, yeah. So how about, I don't think we have time for everybody to do 10. Why don't, no, uh, there's no, there's four there's of no us. Do so that. why don't, why don't we each try to name three that we think should be on the list? That'll be about 10. <laughs> I'll start that way. I don't want to take all my stuff. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to start with the, the wizards of the coast do not touch list. That's, that's um, where we start and stop. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, because yeah, that's, exactly. that's where it's pretty much going to start yeah. and end. Um, right. Uh, I, I think uh, iconic to D and D right. Mm. Beholder. It's, it's, yeah. that's just easy. I feel dumb even having to say that. Uh, I think uh, mind flares. Oh yeah. Are another one. Right. I mean, we just see them all over the place. I, I think they are cool and they're they're pretty exclusive to D D too. This is what I, I think when I when I think iconic. Yeah, there you go. And then um I'm gonna go uh, and I'm gonna step a little bit out of the box here, but I still think it's a very iconic monster. It's just I think a lot of people do love it, is the displacer beast. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in the uh Capcom beat em up, the displacer beast uh, is pretty awesome. <laughs> if you ever played the the arcade, the Dungeons Dragons arcade, the Mysteria game. one, right? Yeah, yeah. T- Shadows yeah. over Mysteria. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty cool. Like the displacement piece in that, it's pretty awesome. And I yeah. purposely yeah. stayed away from humanoids because I think again, that's just I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's Dima does easy. I feel like the owl bear yeah. is uh, is gotta oh, be up got there. My... Yeah, and yeah. the uh, 100%. the, the uh, I'll call it the land shark <laughs> 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 to avoid controversy. <laughs> You get a third. You get one oh, more, Edwin. Um, and we're skipping humanoids. I, I. No, no, you you can do them. He, you don't yeah, have no, to skip humanoids. There. I feel like. Oh, I think the. Um, I've forgotten their name now, though. Um, Describe them. See the, if we the get space, it. Uh, the space pirates. Oh, the Yithyanki. Yeah, the, the Yith. Yeah, well, or Githyanki. Yeah, we can't. They said iconic. They didn't say theme folio. So. <laughs> oh man! I feel like they are. They yeah, are recognizable. Cheerios, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's they like, are super <laughs> recognizable. I, I gotta no. I gotta give it to you there. You got mind flayers. You gotta have. Right. That's true. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's true. All right. I don't want to take yours, Brian. So why don't why don't you go first? I'll go last. 
Uh, I mean, gelatinous. Oh, nice, oh, yeah. nice, nice, nice. Like, oh, the good one. What, like, yeah. The that was like the best thing Ever. as a yep. kid to like <laughs> see. It's like a, a giant cube of slime. <laughs> yeah, that's just like like slowly moving down a hallway. Like, it's just always right, stuck I, with me. I have to derail here for a second because this was just too awesome. I think we might have talked about it before in a podcast, but. I'm going to go real quick in the, in the D and D tournament that we ran at Texas last year, it was a, uh, it's kind of a, we had a big dungeon tile set up and basically the characters are running through on their own. It was individual, just go get as much loot as you can get. And the guy with the most gold DM wins. So they were low level, second, third level, but I'm, I'm going quick here. Um, one of the creatures, this guy kicks the door open. There's a gelatinous cube in there. Right. And he's like, Oh shit. And he just takes off running. This cube chased people around <laughs> the board. Uh, for the rest of the game, it was beautiful. It was the it was the thing you want to see a gelatinous cube do. And I had this amazing miniature. Uh, go on Facebook and and go look at. I think the pictures are. Is, is it the kind where you year. can put figures inside it? No, but that would be even oh. cooler. Now this guy, his actually his father made it for oh. him, and uh, his father it was kind of a tragic story. His father passed away last year, so he brought this figure, and he goes, "You can do anything you want with all these figures." He, I asked people to bring them because I got to come from Michigan. I can't bring all this crap down there. But uh, so he brought this gelatinous cube and it was kind of special to have this thing just running around the board, terrorizing the shit out of everyone for three hours. It was great. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that that's end of derailment. Let's get back to cool gelatinous cube. So other, I mean, I think we nailed all the, 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 the big ones. So uh, for me, yeah. uh, carrying crawler, oh. that's one that, you know, I think yep. D&D, I think oh, carrying yeah, crawler. Yeah. Um, Again, um, the do not touch. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and then uh, I'm always a big fan of the Umberhawks. Yeah. Uh, love my Umberhawks. Oh, and then uh, it's not one that I've ever used, ever played against, uh, but it just, it, it, people always talk about it. And this is one of those, you know, how do you pronounce it kind of ones? Uh, the Teresque. Oh, Teresque. Yeah. Teresque. 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 Yeah. yeah. So I feel like. So, yeah, it's oh, like. Good. Oh, no, I was, it's just, it's kind of cool. There's like supposedly one in existence. Uh, right. <laughs> That, yeah. I think that's pretty cool. It, 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 yeah, the world destroyer. So I think one of the interesting things that, that came about our list here, and I, it, it came to my mind immediately, I didn't want to bring any of them. None of us mentioned undead. Yeah. And undead are all over D&D, right? I mean, you can't find a product without undead video, but none of us brought up undead because I, and it's kind of interesting, I think, to think why we didn't do that. And I'm not sure why I did. I just, I they popped in my head and I'm like, you know, it's just, I, mean, I don't. I'm I don't think gonna, of them go as special two D. Like I feel like there's a lot of yeah. things because they're not unique to D. &D yeah, there's a lot right? of things that D and D does because other media have done it. Yeah, maybe the lich. Yeah. Oh yeah, right, maybe, maybe. I, I'd buy a lich as a. But, 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 but even on that, I mean, that's. I mean, when you picture a lich, a lich that's not necessarily. I mean, there, there's so many you know stories and stuff about you know powerful yeah. undead wizards and things. Yeah. I mean, even the the story of the mummy is really. I mean, the original version of that right. movie. Yeah. You know, he's basically a lich. Um, yeah, I was uh, thinking about the the somewhat interesting segue to I think where we're headed next in this uh, <laughs> evening's uh, conversation. Brian, do you need to go get coffee now? <laughs> you didn't realize how long this was going to be, did you? <laughs> no, no, I'm good. I got, I got a, a stash of monsters under yeah, Excellent, desk. excellent. And then we're, we're probably keeping it short for us, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm good with a long one. Usually, like, sometimes I get on and it's like a 20-minute show, and it's like I'm just getting warmed up, and then, then we're done. It's like, oh, what's the fun in that? Yeah. It's all about just going crazy. 
with sidebar conversations <laughs> that have nothing to do with anything. Like, I love that. That's like my favorite thing, especially to listen to too. I'd rather listen to like a genuine conversation instead of like something that's clearly like railroaded. Mm-hmm. I I'm the same way. I'm a, I'm kind of an avid podcast listener uh, with my work. Sometimes I have to travel a lot. So I honestly, personally, on a personal level, I do like two and three hour podcasts because I can just put them in, tune out the rest of the airplane ride or whatever else I'm doing and, uh, and listen to a podcast. So I, yep. I enjoy them too. So, yeah. So Edwin, you were about to segue us here. Well, yeah, yeah, so I think uh, this evening we are we are talking about a, a paranoia uh, adventure called Orcbusters, and well, we actually have to talk. I don't about think we have to talk <laughs> about it because I think we already have. Because there's no rules here. It's, yeah. it's basically paranoia meets the uh, top ten list of the D and D iconic creatures. There's the gelatinous cube. There's the orc. There's the wizard. Um, I think you know that's about all there is, right? Oh, you know, lizard men. I gotta, I gotta, I, I, I wanna. I think we're not up to ten yet, so we're not up to twenty yet. So. <laughs> yeah, I thought. Yeah, the um, Randy. Yeah, the from the Wonder paranoia. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, let's let's pause and let me drop some music in here. This old dungeon. All right, for the main event tonight, uh, and and this was, uh, uh, you know, guest host choice. Uh, I asked Brian, oh, hey, you know, what's an old module or game system you want to do? And and he threw out two paranoia modules, Orcbusters and uh, Alice Through the Mirrored Shades. And Orcbusters was the one we could all find. Uh, you know, I had a copy, and uh, I think uh, there were some copies out on uh, drive-through. So, so that's what we're doing. Yep. And I, I got to say, Brian, I was so happy that when you mentioned those because, you know, I'm a big West End Games nut. I've got most of the stuff they produced, and um, I love Paranoia, especially the old Paranoia. So, uh, thank you for the pick. Um, let's let's start off with just like a synopsis of, of what this is and what it's about. Uh, anybody want to go? I can start off tackling it but in a nutshell. We'll yeah. I, I do like to talk about the production value of it. So we, we've got a, a old paranoia module here. This is and uh, Orc Bus is, is first edition paranoia. Uh, right? Yeah. Yep. So um, it is done just like the rest of the modules from that time frame. Uh, it's uh, I had it up here a minute ago. I can't remember how many pages. It's around thirty-two pages, yeah, roughly. Like and uh, so it's, you know, it's nice and tidy. It's, it's done just like any module from that, that 80s time period you're looking at. Uh, it's got uh, some cool Jim Holloway art in there, um, like most paranoia stuff from West End. Um, and it, it's a kind of a cool departure from a lot of paranoid adventures in paranoia adventures. As the, what, what this module titled Orc Busters is, is it really is a parody of <laughs> D&D. And... So if, if you're a D&D hater, you're going to love this, thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which it which really wasn't, I think, their intent. But there's some stuff in there when you read closely. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, very interesting. Uh, but uh, it's it's uh, it's a it's a one shot, too, which most paranoid adventures are. But it's definitely this is a one shot adventure. And uh, basically, you got these three wizards that show up out of nowhere, uh, if I'm remembering this 100% accurately, and they show up uh, in the zone, 
and you've got to, you're tasked by the computer to go find out what's going on and stop them. And the hilarity ensues. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I got to add is uh, it was interesting to me on this. Uh, it was published in 1986 and it's been reprinted twice uh, during the second edition era of paranoia. They had the, uh, the computer always shoots twice, which was kind of their best of yes. volume and it had it in there. And then again, uh, in 2002, when they did, I think the XP version of uh, Paranoia, I think that was a Mongoose Games publication, th yeah. they did Flashbacks 2, which also had this in it. Yes, it's in there. Yeah. So uh, apparently it's got some traction. But I do know that like if you if you look on the, you know, the websites and, uh, you know, the, the message boards or whatever you youngins are looking at nowadays, um, th there's a big divide between fans of Paranoia over whether this is, you know, uh, just you know, a, a hilarious and great module or it's just a steaming pile. I mean, it's, it's very divisive. Not a lot of people in the middle. Um, and I, and looking back at some of the ratings when it first came out, it looks like it's been that way, you know, since inception. Uh, it's by Ken Ralston, who's done everything. <laughs> uh, Avalon Hill, TSR, he did the, the Conan series and the Lankmar series and TSR, did a bunch of RuneQuest stuff. Um, it's gone on. He, he now, I mean, we had uh, Bill uh, Slavasek on, you know, earlier in the year. And uh, he's, he's in that group there with the uh, Eldar Scrolls games, uh, doing all that, uh, working there now. So uh, it's amazing to think of what that, that group must be like to be around. I mean, it's all the, all the big names in role-playing are kind of working there, it seems like. The, the old, old guard, anyhow. Um, so uh, I gave a good description of what it is. So I guess let's, let's get into what we like and what we don't and, uh, you know, what we'd change. Well, Brian, you uh, you brought this to our attention. What was it that got you excited about it? Uh, well, Paranoia is like the system that I I collect a, a crap ton of it, but I never have played it or ever <laughs> will probably ever get to play it because one, it's it's kind of intimidating to be the DM of it, and like I'm a forever DM, and like I feel like I wouldn't do it justice with the like being the computer and stuff, like watching online games of it. I feel like I wouldn't do it right. And then, um, so that's, I always love everything paranoia and then the tongue in cheek humor <laughs> in it all, like it's right up my alley. And then like, I want to do Alice in the mirror shades because I thought the cool, um, idea of having a crossover adventure, cause you can run it in a cyberpunk game or you can run it in a paranoia game. Like, I think that's like so cool. And then this is kind of close to that. Cause it's essentially like a paranoia game, like a D and D game in a paranoia awesome. game. So and then it's just like not your typical like alpha complex hijinks like running around yeah. like getting like what like strawberry syrup off the floor or something <laughs> is like one of them. Yeah, yeah. I, I was so, really bummed that we couldn't do Alice because it just exactly what you were saying there. It was fascinating to me that uh you know back at the time when all the game companies were really uh it seemed very rigid about their IPs, that you know, two different game companies um uh, oh man, what is uh, uh, not our Salvatore? What is it? Uh, our Telsorian. Yes, thank you. Uh, that they would, you know, be like, oh yeah, sure, you know, let's let's do this together. You can, you know, use our properties and, uh, but you know, maybe another episode, maybe we'll come across some cheap copies somewhere. Uh, but uh, yeah, so yeah, it's it's full of these parodies, uh, and even even like uh, some like relevant things that were going down in the industry if they are kind of captured here like it, it starts off with this uh this thing where the sbi 
the workers in the SBI uh, complex uh, have been moved to the D&D complex, you know, and, and, you know, this that's all contextual to the, you know, the purchase of those companies by TSR and all that. It's, I don't know, it's kind of cool. It is obviously making fun, but I feel like it's in such a loving way. Like, I, I feel like mm-hmm. it's not, you yeah. know, it, it felt like a, no, a love yeah. letter kind it's of a, a thing. Good, yeah, I feel like it's more in good fun than like yeah just straight hate for sure <laughs> and then like even like all the lord of the rings references before right. like lord of the rings was like i mean it was always popular but like peter jackson really kind of like shoved it in everybody's faces but yeah <laughs> yeah like encouraging you to talk like smeagol for the one character and all that yeah That's... yeah <laughs> uh. yeah yeah it's and orc busters what a great name well and, and the fact that there's only one orc in it who is just minding his <laughs> yeah. own business like cleaning up in a little uh breast breakfast nook in the in the very final uh area of the dungeon that's yeah that's classic one of the things that um we talked with when, when bill was on is he talked about how like at that point in time um they knew as, as a game company that not a lot of people were actually playing the games they were buying that people, you know, you didn't have the internet to, to go play online games or whatever. So a lot of times when people were buying their product, he said he knew that they were just going to be reading it and that it had to have value as just something that you read that's fun to read. And you can definitely tell that this uh, this product has that. They try to make little wisecracks throughout the text. Um, it's, a, you know, I, I got through it in a matter of, I don't know, it just went fast. I remember sitting down and rereading it and being like, oh, wow, that's the end of the venture. Okay, wow. It, it's definitely a fun read. I'm on a pile onto that this is this is a this it, it's a fun adventure to read through most paranoid adventures are enjoyable this one is cool because it, it's different enough um and there's enough going on to it and they move around a lot and just following the flow chart of where they're going with this thing kind of winding through it is, it is a fun read and it will move it, you'll read through it quickly um i i enjoyed reading through it again i i I don't have actually a physical copy of this thing, but believe it or not. And I did pull one off of a uh, drive through to read. It's like four bucks. You can get this thing cheap. It's, it's, it's a fun thing. Cause it's pretty, again, this is a first edition copy. You get the, the, the original copy right off there and, and read through it. And uh, it's, it's enjoyable. And if you like reading old stuff, this is going to be a fun one to read because they do poke fun at, at various things. Now that at some point at the end, they mentioned bunnies and burrows, yeah. uh, I think Ghostbusters comes up at the very, very end. Wars, something about using yeah. characters. Yeah, they, they, they're not afraid to take shots. But then again, the gaming industry back then, and you're talking about the 80s, these guys all knew each other. Most of them cross-pollinated in different projects and, and different companies. I mean, there's three or four people on the credits list in this book alone that worked at TSR at one point or another or wrote something and sold it to them or whatever. So, and not to mention other companies too. Greg Costigan's on, on this mm-hmm. list, I think, on the credits list Yeah, because he, he designed... Right? paranoia to begin with and that and that's kind of the yeah because it was his his like from what i understand his vision of paranoia was a lot more uh george orwell uh and then uh ralston's the one that kind of said well yeah but what if we just made it funny <laughs> you know a dark future <laughs> that's funny let's go with that and uh and, and you can definitely tell you know by his writing in this that that's you know that's what he you know is well suited in is trying to ham things up uh so yeah, and, and then the number designation, the designation, which is like it, it's every little nuance mm-hmm. in here. The the like TSR has got modules like B1, B2, right? You got you got that thing. It's all there is well, this one is RIP one. <laughs> it's hilarious. I mean, it's just 
<laughs> this is clever all the way through did uh, did anyone yeah. figure out at, so you know there's so many you know allusions to other things the names of the wizards in this one i could not figure out what they were alluding to i didn't know if they were in an anagram of something i kept trying to break the code and i couldn't and i couldn't find online anyone saying anything i find it hard to believe that they're not yeah they have to be right i can't I can't figure out, I couldn't figure it out either because I did spend some time. I did the same thing. I thought, is this, you know, are these names anagrams for somebody? And, and I can't really come up with anything. And they're, they're, there's probably some sort of code in there. You're right, Lou. I, there has to be. I cannot imagine they missed this, that opportunity. So I'll tell you what, listeners, if you can crack the code, uh, or if you know, or if you know, yeah, right. Uh, email us at thisoldungeon at gmail.com. Uh, I'll, I'll get you something, man. I'll send some of my products to you. I'll send someone's, someone else's products to you. We'll get you a little gift bag because I just oh, have to uh, know. Yeah. Hey, I, how many, how I'm many, Paysetter's going to, yeah. How many Paysetter will send you something. How many D's in that, in that email address there? <laughs> One D T H I S O L D U N G E O N at gmail.com. Uh, so the wizard's names, it's Skybex. Femud and Chodor. There gotta be something. There's gotta be something there. I just don't know what it is. Yeah, I, I there has to be. I mean, the non-player characters that they provide are all easy enough. Uh-huh. You got Frodo, <laughs> you got Barbar- Barbarian, you got Sonia Red, <laughs> um, you know, Jolly Elf, Grumpy Dwarf, and Merlin. <laughs> <laughs> those are easy enough to i mean i'm i'm saying how they really are but that's not how they're yeah. spelled out at all it's just uh, yeah. like a crazy license phonetic yeah yeah or yeah numeric but uh but you're right the wizards i i'm not sure what these are it irritates me <laughs> so so what are some of the highlights or what are some things as you're reading through you're like if i'm going to run this today that thing has to stay or i want to do something with that thing for me, it's Randy. Randy, the idea of having a, a, a tertiary character in the bad guy's force be really what, you know, from the way they're describing him and pushing him, he's kind of the main guy. He's like the one you're really going to do a lot with. Uh, so Randy's this lizard, this uh, minion lizard man that, uh, you know, is, is with the uh, wizards and it's kind of like the whipping boy. Uh, but he's the one that the players actually interact with. And I think that's a cool idea is, you know, the, the main bad guy, the main guy you're going to be dealing with is just nobody, but he's got a lot of character. I like it. I, I think it's amazing. I think it's one of the best things. It's so ridiculous and over the top and so paranoia that it works. I, I like it as it is. As honestly. is everything. All right. Yeah. Yeah. This is a hard one to say, you know, to, 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 to this old dungeon, this is a hard one to do that to because it's so unique. It's so different. Uh, it fits, it's, it fits its game genre, but what they were trying to do, I, I would, I'm the same way. I don't think I would really change anything in here read, after reading through it here again. I mean, I haven't looked at this thing in, in 25, 30 years probably, but it's a, uh, it's hard to look at this one and say, okay, here's what I would improve or change or do differently because I just think it would be just an absolute riot to run it the way mm-hmm. it's written. Yeah. And, and whatever I'm going to do to it, I'm not going to improve. I'm not going <laughs> to improve this. Uh, mainly because it's not my, it's, you know, paranoia. I'll, I'll be absolutely honest. It's, it's not my strong suit as far as game mastering. I'd rather be a player in paranoia all day long 
Or, if, you know, if you ask me to write a paranoia adventure, I'm probably not going to do a great job of that. Um, it's just, again, I, I'm, they really, some paranoia adventures are better than others. Obviously, this one actually is really, really good. It's really good. And it is because it is so different, I think. And it gave them the opportunity to go kind of crazy with uh, with the D&D mocking, which they're, and I don't want to be mean here. I don't think they were, there was no intention mm. here to playful, to be uh, malicious at all. This, this was good hearted fun. This is kind of, I, I can see these guys at Gen Con just giving each other shit all day long. <laughs> and, you know, this, this module kind of comes, comes full circle with that. Yeah. The, the one thing, I, I mean, I, I've got a lot of the paranoia stuff and I would say that this one, you know, it's, it's definitely not at the top of my list of my favorites, but it's good. I, I wouldn't, you know, poo poo it at all. But the one thing I feel like it, it needed to have is, is maybe, maybe some more editing in the first couple, uh, first couple scenes of it. There, there's a lot of time spent with the wizards running around the alpha complex and, and every scene to me is, is sort of the same thing. Uh, they get to an area, they try to interact with the people, they get frustrated and they kill all the people. And then the, the players get there just at the aftermath. And, and I think that's great, but I think I, 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 there's either three or four instances of that. And I think the, the meat and potatoes is when the players go into the wizard dimension or going through the dungeon. And I think mm -hmm. that's too long of a setup for that. I would, I would want to edit those down to just a few of them and then get them there. Um, yeah, I could see that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't disagree there. I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back to another aspect of this that I always like kind of getting around to, and that's the overall design and layout of it. It is, it, it, like I said um, earlier, that if if you kind of like looking at something that was done 30 years ago, this is a great snapshot of how things were presented to us back then. Um, and we nostalgically and sentimentally look at these things and say, "Oh my God, this is gold." And then you kind of look, put your game designer hat on <laughs> and you look at these things, you're like, oh my God, we would never put out something that looks like this today because it is a hot, it's a hot mess. It's hard to follow. It's hard to find anything in the, in it as you're, as you're going through it. Um, it Just the fact that it's three columns, <laughs> three columns. Kills you, right? I, I, yeah. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of original pace setter modules with the same kind of, kind of mess. Um, but you know, and that's this is this is not a knock on the people who put this stuff back together back then. They were miracle workers, as far as I'm concerned, because they gave us this hobby. Um, so I am not criticizing that. I'm just saying by today's standards, looking through our eyes of today, how we want to see things presented. It's a really tough book to kind of plow through. There's art, there's art in here. There's design elements to it. But there's a lot of black and gray in here. And it's it. Uh, it doesn't, it, it works, right? It works, but it works in the same way that it, uh, you know, a car engine works, you know, it's great when the hood's closed. So, <laughs> so that I just, again, circling back to kind of that aspect of it, because I, to me, it, the, the, these things all kind of come together in a way. So if we were talking about how neon Lords just, I just love the evocative nature of how that book is, is put together. It's just so cool. This on the other hand, <laughs> this is tough. And it's not all paranoia modules follow this template necessarily either. Um, but this one is, this one's a, it's, it's not one, I think one of the better efforts of actual design mm -hmm. element. And I do like the story of it though. I think, I think it's fun as shit. So don't, don't get me wrong. 
Edwin? I, uh, I have to, uh, you know, lay my cards on the table. And as, as the only one of us who actually plays games, um, I played <laughs> too many games this, uh, this time and I didn't actually get through reading it. I, uh, I skimmed it and, uh, I liked it, but I didn't read it deeply enough to actually be able to, uh, in good faith, uh, say anything about how I would do it differently. <laughs> That's very fair of you. That's you, you could take our word for it. Evan. <laughs> or, uh, Edwin, you'll, you'll just, just play it as it is. It's it'd be a, it'd be a lot of fun. I will run it. it certainly looked like a lot of fun. It, it, and you know what? When we always say "run it is written," no one's ever going to run yeah. it a hundred percent as it's laid out in front of you. But this is one that you're going to you're you're definitely. I, I think it's just as easy just to roll right through this thing. And mm-hmm. if you want to blow past an encounter or two or that kind of thing, it's it's easy to do so. But and we all do that kind of thing. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I think this is one of them that this doesn't need to get this old dungeoned, uh, as it were, too <laughs> Could, much. Couldn't you put that in an email like, you know, two weeks ago? <laughs> uh, um, yeah, yeah, but I th- you know what? I, I think it's fair for us to, to yeah. review things like that that don't need a lot of work all the yeah. time, right? Instead of, yeah. instead of always going to the mill of. You know, we don't want to do. Te- I don't want to do Temple of Elemental Evil every yeah, single podcast. For sure. I don't know. I, and I can tell you right now, is there's a whole bunch of people out there saying, "Thank God we don't <laughs> want to hear that talk about this ever again." <laughs> we we get one critiquing email, and now we're all pussyfooting around here. What's if up? If you could know? remake the This Old Dungeon podcast and just change one thing, what would you change? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um. I, I, I do have a couple more things I was looking at, so I'm, I'm going to just put them out there. And Let's if people want to, if people want to, you know, uh, give us hate mail, direct it right at Lou Alu. Okay. <laughs> uh, so one of the precepts you see held through a good portion of this module is that the game master has to keep the three wizards alive. It's like, Oh, you, you know, keep them alive. You know, don't let the players kill them. And that, that's one of the most important, possible things to do in a in a role-playing game is have the the main baddie and, and have them appear right off the first scene of the the you know play and 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 not have the characters kill them as fast as they can you know especially in a game like this where there's mutant powers and a bunch of RD equipment that does very random things that are unpredictable uh it, it's hard to do that without the players realizing that oh you're cheating man roll roll in front of the screen man uh so I, I'm a little, you know, taken back by that. And then the other thing is I'd, I'd really like them to give us more, more of an understanding of the wizards as far as like, how are they different from each other? I mean, they, they, they tell us what spells they have that are different, but we don't know who's, you know, Larry, Curly and Mo. you know, we don't know what, what makes their personality separate from each other. And I think that's important for a game master in a game like this, where a lot of it is improv and, and, you know, acting out the, 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 PCs that or the NPCs that you're coming across, uh, you kind of got to have some feel. A caveat off of that, though, in the wizard roster, it does say it does say what like their uh, demeanors are and everything. So like like was it Skybex? It says easily uh, panic, wants to go home, real bad, yeah, hates the of blood. You're right. You're right. So, it, it, I it, mean, like that, to be devil's yeah. advocate, but like yeah, I, I understand what you're saying though for sure. Like it's just it's very basic. Yeah. No, you're right, and that's and that's on the. Uh, the inside cover of the the module there, uh, yeah, like in a weird in a weird spot, but, like that has more information than you would expect, <laughs> for sure in that spot. 
but again, I mean, really, that's that's probably the place it should be most, you know, importantly because this this module's cover is designed to be a, a screen with all the characters' stats and stuff on it. So uh, if I had just read a little more carefully every little piece, I would have noticed that there. And as a game master, I would have done that because it would have been sitting right there in front of me. So touche, yeah. yeah, good catch on that. And then even like, but it's funny too if you go down to the the monster roster part. And then the orc just says wimpy, wimpy housekeeper, no skills, sleazy attempt by West End to justify title. <laughs> like, perfect. I definitely, what yeah. I, uh, the parts of this I did look through, uh, Brian, I could definitely see how this would appeal to you, like based on the neon lore. Yeah. And like, it's definitely the same kind of uh, yeah. self referential humor and, um, you know, yeah, making sure everything. there's a good playable thing underneath, but having a lot of fun on top. Yeah, like I just love paranoia so much. It's just it's so it makes me sad every time I look at my books that I'll never <laughs> be able to to crack them to play just to to look at. Um, as far as things that I just think are gems in this, uh, my favorite encounter is the uh, the wandering monster table, where it's got the room with a table that a bunch of different monsters are sitting at. And they're playing cards and there's an hourglass they keep turning over and every hour one of them draws a card and whoever has the low card has to go out and wander around the dungeon. That is just freaking hilarious. I love it. Wandering yeah, monster I mean, team. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> oh. All right. So uh, I, 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 this one this one gets the, the, the two thumbs up seal of approval from us. Yeah, I think so. I, I like I said, I, I highly recommend, recommend it and um, Again, I get to be the the resident shill for drive through. You can pick this up on drive through. I think it's four yeah, bucks. No, I mean, it's, that's yeah, where I got it. Two ninety five, I think, and it was yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's this is this is worth by you know if you got an evening you want to read something. This is a fun read, uh, even if you don't know how to play Paranoia. This is still it, you don't need to know how to play Paranoia to actually read this and, and understand no, not the at adventure all. itself. It's uh, it, it is really surprisingly uh, a, a diamond in a rough. Because not all paranoid adventures are the same, and some of them are definitely better than others. And I, and I do agree with Lou on this part. Lou, you, this is not the best paranoid adventure. I think there's some that capture the game a lot better, but as kind of a standalone mm -hmm. adventure, this one is pretty cool. It's and you can tell they had. I think they always had fun writing paranoid adventures, but you could tell they had a blast putting this thing together. They just had all kinds of fun. I, you know, I wonder. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. If we had to put our cards on the table, where these wizards' names came from, I'm gonna say these are the names of some of the designers' characters that they played in their own campaign. Yeah, I, I would go with that for sure. Because I can't. I looked. I can't, I've been looking at them back and forth. <laughs> just having this conversation, I still can't come up with anything. Um, it doesn't mean I'm the be all end all, but I, okay. I'm not getting it. It kind of sinks they didn't have a print on demand version of it on drive through. I and that that I'm I'm with you. I don't, I don't know why it's so easy to do that mm -hmm. to upload for print on demand. It doesn't it doesn't take a whole lot of. I mean, you got to mess with covers. Well, that's, uh, that's what I was thinking. Now that they don't have this uh, saddle stitch on there, now you got to kind of format it for the perfect bound, which you got to <laughs> add is, the pages. And... Yeah, and that's and that is crappy. Although this one might make. Hold on, I got. PDF. I have. I had it open here the whole freaking night. I'm going through. Yeah, I can't remember what the cutoff is, but it's in the 30s. I don't know if it's 38 or. It's 32. This one's 36 pages. 32, is it? Okay. Okay. So it could. So they it absolutely can. They can do it because they use it. Uh, the dirty little secret is if if people don't know this, but um, 
and it's not a dirty little secret, but uh, drive-thru uses Ingram Spark to print all their stuff. That that's where it gets printed at. So um, Ingram Spark is the one that changed because we've used them from time to time for stuff. And Ingram Spark is the one who got rid of that sales stitch uh, thing. And when they did that, that that that's why drive-thru had to do it because that's who they use to print everything. They use Ingram. So yeah, I mean, I got a little, little little behind the scenes knowledge of how that actually works. Yeah, I got like Star Frontiers like printed off of there. And it was like a shame I couldn't get like all the old like paranoia stuff too. They don't need, yeah, and, and then you know the crazy thing, they don't even do it with all the old TSR stuff. It's only some of it. Not not all of it yeah. is yeah. You can get print copies. It's, it's kind of maddening. Um because yeah, I do like I, I'm a real like I said, I'm 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 a reader. I love physical books. To read. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd rather have it. Yeah, I gotta have a tangible copy. Like I I'm the same, but I'm a I'm I'm a physical book. I I mean it, it, it pained me. I mean, look, it's four bucks. I mean, who, who cares? Yeah, but it pained yeah, me. It's been yeah. four bucks. <laughs> I yeah. would have rather, I would have spent 14 to get a print copy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Leaving money on the table here. Come on, get that. Yeah. Copy yeah. Plus, I mean, like the cover has got a wizard blowing a spell, like using his nose, like knocking nose. a guy out. You need like, <laughs> I need that in my life on my desk. <laughs> Makes you happy. Yeah. And not like $70 for whatever. I, I, I very rarely, like I scour eBay for paranoia stuff and it very rarely ever pops up. The, I, I actually did a search when, when Lou talked about, you know, which one should we do? And I, I think kind of a, what we decided, and I, I also think the Alice modules, it probably actually a better module, but, um, and we could probably have a, it's a better module, but I think it also needs a lot more work. Um, but I, that's what I did. I kind of went through eBay and I was kind of checking. So Alice through the mirror shades is, or is it Alice behind the mirror shades? I can't remember. It's yes, Alice behind the mirror shades, right? Mine. Um, uh, or am I wrong I there? Through, I think it might be through. I think it's through. Is it through the mirror shades? Okay. All I know is she's laying there, right? And the mirror yeah. shades are basically those mirrored sunglasses that we all had back in the 80s, 70s. But uh, <laughs> aviator glasses. Yeah, so cool. Um, but on eBay, I know that one was running. There was very few copies. You could get them. They're 40 bucks and up. Probably beat the hell. And Orc Busters, there was a few, four or five available on that. Still 30 bucks and up. Um, and, you, you know, you never know what you're going to get with some of them. Um, but I think that I think what the kicker was is you can get Orc Busters individually on drive through where Alice, you cannot. Yeah. If you yeah. want to get Alice, you have to do one of the big packs. So. If it's of any interest to the listeners, uh, so Orc Busters oh, introduces it. the idea of uh, Dimension X, which is kind of where this wizard world's at. And then there's several paranoia games that go back to Dimension X, and they're all parody games. They're all ones. There's like, a, um, what is it, uh, Twilight Cycle 2000 yep. and uh, uh, the, the Alice one we mentioned and uh the the actual game vulture vulture warriors of dimension x where you have uh, dr whom uh which is you know <laughs> obviously a parody of dr who so if you like that kind of thing like orc busters you might check out some of those other ones it's going to be kind of in the same vein hey and if anybody wants to play paranoia they a couple guys do run paranoia at the north texas rpg con every year and they have that group has a blast because you can hear them laughing and going crazy they have some fun and uh, and a good friend of a couple of ours, Ben Burns, is Ben Burns usually pretty runs close. Yeah, he usually yeah he runs it there, yeah. and he's getting pretty close to launching his Zeta Complex, which is basically a paranoia 
pastiche uh, using, uh, I think he decided to go with the, uh, oh my goodness, why cannot I think of the game? Um, not the, oh, geez, Al, come on, frame. <laughs> uh, it's got the Bennies Savage and Worlds. it's uh, uh, Deadlands. Uh, Savage, Savage Worlds, Worlds yes. Yeah. So he's going with the Savage Worlds rules uh, for that venture. So I, I think that's coming up this next year. He's launching that. So anyhow. Well, that brings us to the final segment of the show. Uh, Brian, are you ready? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, all the, I'm probably going to get every <laughs> single one wrong. <laughs> all right. It's time for Geek Credit. Do you have any geek credit? Uh, we've asked Brian ahead of time some of the things that he's into, and he's already mentioned Masters of the Universe. Uh, and uh, with his wall all decked out with the figures, I think I came up with some good questions for him. Yeah, I'll get him. Uh, and he's the worst part. And uh, you see, uh, talked about Sega Genesis, which if you pick up his book and you'll look at it, you'll be like, oh man, that so reminds me of those. Uh, of the cartridge boxes from the Genesis, some of the, the art on yeah, it. Yeah, the Thirsty for More, we did it like straight Genesis. Right there, yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, so we, we've got some questions for you. Shit. Okay. Uh, and then, Bill, I know you were you were uh, looking for some Hostess ones. I did. All hostess right. for Pies, yep. This was fun. <laughs> All right, so uh, I'll shoot one out, and then, Bill, if you want to jump in, we'll just kind of go back and forth until we've got his five questions. If he gets five of these questions – or I'm sorry, if he gets three of the five questions right, uh, he maintains his geek credit tonight. Let's see how it goes oh, down. No. <laughs> All right. Which of the following are not names of characters from Masters of the Universe? Okay. Okay. Uh, this 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 I went kind of hardcore on this, so we'll see if if you're a real fan or not right. here. All right, which one's not a Masters of the Universe character? Keldor, Duncan, Kublai Khan, Perkado. Those are your four mm. names. Which one's not Masters of the Universe? Keldor, Duncan, Kublai Khan, Perkado. Keldor. Ooh, oh man, you're breaking my heart. You know who Keldor is? No. Oh, you do. I probably do. <laughs> he man. Oh, Keldor yeah, is Skeletor's real name. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That doesn't count. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, let's go to fruit pies real quick. <laughs> I was right. thinking of the old uh, department store, Keldor. Department? Uh, I don't know this. Oh one. yeah, it must be like an East. Uh, it's the name of a department store, I guess. Is that what yeah. You I didn't know. That. Oh yeah, I thought you were. Okay. What's the What's the answer then? Oh, oh yeah. So the the actual answer is Kublai Khan. Okay. The, do you know what the actual character's name was? It wasn't Kublai Khan. It was mm -mm. Cobra Khan. Oh yeah, the guy with the yeah. Cobra. Hands. Wasn't that King Hiss? Uh, he was one of that group of serpent oh, people. Cobra. I I don't. Oh, or was I, Cobra Khan like the horde guy with like the the face thing? Uh, you can't just turn around. I, I think, yeah, you look, look at the wall there. <laughs> no, <laughs> not say, there's no, yeah. they didn't do, yeah, he's, they didn't do hordes yet. Yeah, I think, uh, the, I think he was like uh, wave two or three. Yeah, those ones, one the main those ones are all the, the, uh, the or the 2020 origins and up, uh, reproduction kind of, or yeah, not re like no. the, like the newer the, redesigns, the new redesigns. Yeah, like during COVID, like the first four came out, and I was like, oh, cool, like. I'll get them and hang them on my wall. And then it's like, well, now I have to buy every single one. 
but got their hooks in the air. Yeah, but it's it's kind of cool because I every single one I've found at like a Walmart or a Target, like throughout like like the like um, just going and finding them. I I have yet to ever buy one online. Like that's my stipulation. He's <laughs> got his limits. That's good because uh, man, when the collecting bug hits you, sometimes you know. I've seen people go online and buy something for like four times the price when it's sitting right there on the shelf. If you know, you were at the right store, you know? Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh yeah. Keldor. I have like the, the origins, like, um, like Keldor figure, like on that side of me right now too. All right. So fruit pies. All right, here we go. So hostess fruit pies. This, by the way, you want to have some fun? Google hostess fruit pies. There's all kinds of crazy shit about. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so here we go. I'm going to keep this one, I think, a little simpler than Lou, who I didn't even know what the <laughs> hell he was talking about. So, a hostess fruit price came in uh, various types of packaging. Okay. Uh, one of them was a very strange, back in the old days, a wax paper style wrapper. They also came in, I think, what they come in today, which is a plastic, more about just a like a Twinkie wrapper, right? It's more of a plastic wrapper. It's not clear, but plastic wrapper. But true or false, did Hostess Fruit Pies ever come actually in a box? True. Yes, they did. There we go. We got one on Geek Crowd. All right. Ding, ding, ding. All right. All right. This is my last Master of the Universe question. I think this one you'll be able to do. All right, good. Um, Oh, no. (laughs) Which which of the Masters of the Universe playsets is the tallest? Which one stands the tallest? That would cast. Oh, okay. Oh, never mind. If you know, oh, I was thinking it. the attorney, uh, attorney, a uh, place that. Oh, it's actually not. How is it not? All right. <laughs> uh, it, I have physics. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so uh, let's tell you what, take that one off the table. I'll give you the three others. You pick from the three others. All right. Would it be gray skull with point dread attached to it, which is like the little landing place for the ship? Yeah. Uh, Snake mountain. Or Crystal Castle would have to be with the um, Gray Skull. Actually, not. Oh my no. God! It's uh, it's Snake Mountain. Snake Mountain. Uh, when it's got the everything on it, I guess is thirty six inches. Uh, Castle Gray Skull with Point Dread was twenty seven. I want to say, and Eternia was thirty one. And then the crystal one, uh, I don't know, but I just know it's smaller than the others. I've never <laughs> even heard of that one. Is that that's the that's the Shira oh, yeah. castle or whatever? Okay. Yeah. All right, folks, I've got a redaction here. Looks like that the playset statistics I was looking at earlier were not all from the same original line, and that the Snake Mountain that was 36 inches tall was actually from a newer version of the He-Man toy line and not the original. So Brian actually does get this point. He is correct. Uh, by far, Eternia was the largest of the uh, playsets, the, the tallest, that is, of the original playsets. The, the moral of the story is don't let Lou ask you geek credit questions. Yeah, holy shit. All right, well, <laughs> I'm going to bring my – let's go back to Hostess Fruit Pies because that's fun. Oh, this one this one I do feel bad about. This one might be kind of hard. Believe me, I, I can get a lot. Easy I don't know anything. Else. Right. We can give you a bonus. <laughs> I'm about Sega Genesis, so there, there you go. I never played it. Don't know anything about it. But okay, back to fruit pies. So there are lots of flavors of Hostess fruit pies. I'm going to name seven of them, but one of them does not belong. It was never a flavor. Okay. So here, here are the flavors: right. cherry, peach, 
mm-hmm. lemon, yep. pineapple, blueberry, apple, blackberry. Pineapple. Bingo. We nailed it. Nice. If it's food, I know All it. Right. Okay. Like <laughs> play sets. Yeah. They, they, apparently they had a thing against citrus. I mean, I guess lemon, but it really wasn't lemon. But yeah. Huh. No pineapple. I'm really, no pineapple. No orange. I still gotta see like the Eternia versus Snake Mountain. There's no way Eternia is shorter. I, I I may be wrong. I looked up the the schematics for him, and I was going off of Jesus. what it said the the heights were. That's a lot of work because so. I'm pretty sure there's like a there's like the huge um, like promotional picture, Maybe like the monorail. Yeah, because they all connect together like so eventually. But like you always see Eternia in the middle is way taller than the other two. Yeah. I will, if uh, after the podcast, if I do some more research and I find out that the, the original research I did was inaccurate, I will I will make sure to add that on at the end. Uh, and we'll even give you a bonus question here. That way we, we got the bases covered. I, I've got an extra bonus question. So you can add your, ask your next impossible Master of the Universe <laughs> question. No, no, we're moving me. on. We're going Genesis. All right. So uh, you said you're a fan of the Sega Genesis. Um, you, you'll get this one. I know you will. What was the Japanese name? For the Sega Genesis, oh, mess, when it came out in Japan, was it very good? Yeah. All right, there we go. That's an easy one. I thought you were going to tell uh, ask me the dimensions of the the total the total <laughs> wattage of how it's many like, which, like, which one drew the most the power. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you you made your geek credit right, but I'm going to ask you yeah. another one anyway. Right. It's fun. So this this one is is kind of cool. So Hostess Fruit Pies used to have full page ads in comic books. Yes. And these weren't just an advertisement. This was like a comic strip, like a six panel mm-hmm. strip in the comic books. Okay. So um, this is going to be, it's, it's a little bit mechanical one. So how many approximately did they did, did they do different ones? Well, a unique. lot. Definitely. So is it zero to 100, 101 to 200? 201 to 300 or 301 plus i'd say two to 300 you're damn close it's according to my research it's 315 wow there's like a uh, i mean that's freaking insane it's like sean seanbaby.com it's like the worst name for a thing he does uh (laughs) he has like uh seanbaby.com backslash hostess dot htm he's got like most of them like uh it's, like scanned. it's insane yeah i, I yeah, can't comic believe books that don't have that much in the run yeah, yeah right yeah it's pretty cool they even got like batgirl ones like even dc oh yeah there's 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 all kinds of stuff. batman i mean they, they cross platforms they got marvel dc and even some other independent title yeah it's it's fascinating yeah so who knew well you know who knew that host you know who knew was Brian. So much fun to research. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like uh, and the 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 hostess like the its own logo too. The magician. The I was that was going to be my other question was was the different. So yeah, because all of them have a different dude. You know, they have different like the hostess. Yeah, Twinkie putting Twinkie the kid putting the ones. Yeah, they've got a different dude on it. Yeah, than the than the little wizard dude. Yep, but he is definitely yep. He's called the magician. So you you. Blue geek got it. out of the water. Forget yeah. Luke. Well, I'm still, yeah, I'm upset about those He-Man ones. So, well, you know, if he, if he didn't lie, uh, uh, then uh, it'd be a lot easier for you to get him right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he, when he I, he had me on way back, he asked me a pace setter question, and I got wrong. 
So he's good. Yeah. That's I, I don't try to get people. I, I don't I try to I try to think of like well, what's an interesting question? What's something that a listener will be like, oh, I wonder what that yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, no, they're good questions. They're great questions, actually. Yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our uh, two-hour episode. Our our uh, our own little personal marathon, not not a 10k like Bill right. does, but uh we've gone through a lot of territory and it's been such a pleasure to have you on, Brian. Oh, thank, thank you for joining thank us. Thank you for having me. It was awesome. Super. This Super was fun. great. Hey, and, and just so everyone knows, Brian, just go through, tell us how, how people. Oh yeah. Can we're we're going to get product. this. So we got to easiest way is exalted funerals. Got a bunch of copies right now, so you can buy it there. Okay. I know that's like the big thing. Everyone loves that website. So exaltedfuneral.com. Um, drive through we got it on there game found i still have like a little like a box left like i'm running like I'm, i'll be running i'll be out real soon of copies so like exalted is probably the best bet let the awesome. let them sell out so then they want they want more <laughs> from me and then you had mentioned uh i think it was a facebook page yep that, yep. that you've got going oh for. yeah we got a facebook page instagram we're working on trying to get the twitch up and running uh, it's up, but like we don't have anything on it yet. Like this, this ravioli for Randy tomorrow is our last uh, show or like content that's going to be on the Facebook uh, group streaming live, and then everything else is going to Twitch. See you All right, we'll look forward to that. Oh yeah. Uh, all right, awesome. gamer friends, thank you for listening to us, and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. At all. Bye, guys. All right, as I say goodbye, hey, anyone out there in the listening universe who hears this before Gary Khan runs around in about two weeks, come by, say hello to me, and give me some ideas. Give us some ideas for this old dungeon uh, topics because I think we'd love to hear from you. And I know I think I'm the only one gonna, from this group that's going to be when You're not going to be there, right? Yeah, yeah so I'm going to be the only one there. Come find me at Paysetter. We'll talk uh, this old dungeon and, and what you might want to hear. Yeah, and hey, if you're a if you're a small publisher out there or a big publisher, uh, give us a contact. We'd love to have you on the program. We all yeah. like just talking game design. So hundred percent. You've been listening to this old dungeon, copyright 2022. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are well, hey. We're just a bunch of bullshitters, so you do the math. If you have any requests or any correspondence you'd like to send, send it to thisolddungeon at gmail.com. Have a wonderful day.